Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Listening to the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Now it's time for our host, Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode 104 of the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. Nate Maxson here with you, and I am joined by Aaron. Aaron is here. Hello, sir. What's up? Kyle is here, a little under the weather. Yes. Mr. Army, but he is he is uh, AIDS. <laughs> he is yeah. ever the trooper joining us in the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Other than being sick, how are you doing out there, Kyle? I'm good. I want to. I just want to say I don't think it's the Rona, but I just I want to say this. I did my part and went and got tested just to be sure. You know, so. how much how much does that test suck? It, it looks sucks. like it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. They told me going into it, the lady was like, look, it's not going to be fun. We're going to stick this bristle up your fucking nose, up your sinuses, and twist it around. And she's like, just don't grab me. It's not going to end well for you. And I said, that's, I fucking understand completely. <laughs> how don't grab me. Were they, don't how don't in, grab how me. In, I'll have to mace you. Yeah. How invasive were they into your butt hole? <laughs> I, you know, no, nah, I was going to say I'd rather have that, but probably not. And after all that class, classy conversation, we welcome the classiest of all of us, Mr. Archie Mitchell, to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Uh, what a segue from Kyle's butthole to Archie Mitchell. Yes. <laughs> all I was saying, all I wanted to put that, what I'm just saying is go do your fucking part. If I went and did my Definitely. part, you do a part. You know, it's not fun, Definitely. it's not enjoyable, but, you know. Like I said, I don't truly think I have it, but like I said, it's better safe than sorry. Better safe than sorry, exactly. There's no Absolutely. reason why anybody else can't go do it, you know. Absolutely. Well, on this week's show, our our, our grand our main event is we're going to talk about our ten favorite ECW stars. And uh, as I was kind of talking about to the guys before we went on the air. With ECW, so many people went to other promotions and the company shut down and they had careers after the promotion, before the promotion, etc. So I guess the real crux of this is you're thinking about their run just in that company because um, there will be people on these lists that worked in WWF, WCW, etc. So that being said, we're just considering their run in ECW. Uh, but first, uh, we were also talking before we went on the air and then we decided we might as well make this part of the conversation to start the show. WWE, we're recording this on Friday night. 
did the SmackDown, the SmackDown. I'm like a 90 year old. Did you watch the SmackDown um, <laughs> after you came home from the Walmart? Um, the SmackDown tonight had uh, the Thunderdome, which uh, looks like the wrestlers. It, it looks like the wrestlers wrestling in front of a big Zoom meeting. Um, but from what I saw, it looked like a decent. It was a cool looking atmosphere. Um, you you have the light shows again, the pyro again, which is cool. They piped the in bigger sound arena. noise. Yes, the bigger arena. Uh, even though you know, I mean, it, let's be honest, and I'm going to let everybody else share their opinion. But I just want to say one thing because I've seen a lot of trolly McTrollertons on the internets kind of dissing this thing. Um, the oh, the yeah, I saw that. Somebody Archie's showing us somebody there. had their had their somebody. teddy bear on the one of the screens. Um, but it, it, let's be honest, the trolls out there. If AEW did this, they'd say it was revolutionary. AEW. Oh no, the, AEW. AEW said, "Hold my beer," and are going to actually allow fans, but a, a, a little and, bit of fans in and, the arena, in an open arena. And also to that, on the other side of the spectrum, if. Vince McMahon would have done that. They would have said Vince McMahon is senile and out of touch and putting people's lives at risk. Yep. Yep. So Vince can't win. And I'm not, again, you guys know I'm critical of the product anyway, but there's some times where I just look at that and I'm like, okay, all right, he just can't win anymore with these people. No, he but, never will win again. That's just you know the way what? it is. I don't think he's fucked. Fuck. Because it you, is. Guys, you guys see the video of him jumping off the fucking. I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> when it's yeah. pitching Gronk, yeah. He doesn't give a shit, and he just fucking went for it. He's like, <laughs> "This is the thing with the with the Thunderdome is it could honestly be, and this might be um, something nobody gets. This could be the new signs. Like remember in like ninety eight, ninety nine, thousand, everybody had signs. They'd hold up their signs and they try to like." Get their crazy sign on right. the on the show. Point. So, and, and that was fun because there'd be like amazing signs. Like, I remember watching a Raw, and there was a guy that held up a sign that said, "It just said I have a penis." That cracked me up. Like Ch- Chad, I don't know why Chad, Chad's up. Chad's ass stinks. Is yeah, one like, of the great like signs of all time. So, so the now best, the best this, sign if I could try Thunderdome thing. Huh? Sorry. The the best sign I ever saw and Val Venus grabbed it was during his feud with Goldust when Goldust was being all preachy and, and Christian y. He grabbed the sign out of the crowd that said, I have come. And because <laughs> Gold kept Goldust kept holding the sign that says he will come. And it was like priceless. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking this possibly this fucking Thunderdome thing could be is oh yeah guys trying to guys or gals there's gal wrestling fans there's five of them <laughs> they're gonna try to maybe like you know get one over or whatever and that and that's fun to me I miss mm-hmm. signs how but, long until before somebody hacks the system and starts using a filter on their face so you can't tell who it is. You know what I mean? And starts doing something crazy. Yeah. Oh, wrestling fans <laughs> you know? aren't that smart. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you they're and please oh, yeah, they are. what they're, I'm about to say. Fucking nerds know what there the are fuck some nerds, doing. thank you, Aaron, for saying the word. <laughs> there is a nerd who will get on that thing and will hack the system thirty minutes before they go live. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, 
the thing that I liked the most about it was the fact that they didn't just call it the Thunderdome. I don't know if it's no, going to they... be the way, the way it is. Every show will see Sunday for Sun- SummerSlam, but the fact that they had like the lightning and the thunder at the top and it kind of played out into the whole arena. Mm-hmm. Like, the I opening the of fact. it was great. Yeah, like I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like, it's not, you know, they're not trying to make it. Like, my biggest fear when they said Thunderdome was like, oh, fuck, they're going to try to do something like they did with this Raw Underground. <laughs> Which, and by now, the way, by the Shane's way. apparently going to be the creative director of Raw. Yep. Bruce Richard wants time off. By the way, and I know we're talking modern product, but that's fine. We can spend a little time on it. I am not as down on Raw Underground as other people are. It's once again one of those things where I say, at least they're trying something new. It's not you know, we can, we can People complained and complained and complained for years. It's the same old sterile product all the time. It's the same thing. And then they do something new, and they're like, well, this is stupid. I, I just – all right. has, it, has, it been, has it been perfectly executed? No, I think it could look grittier. It could look darker. It's, it's, yeah. it's still very bright. But overall, they're trying something new. I wish they would go, continue with – actually, the, the, I wish they would continue with the Hurt Club – being in there, they had them do that whole thing at the the first week, and then they haven't been in there since. And, and so I hate the hurt business. It's her business, enough. sorry. Yes, it's better than retribution. Yeah, this is getting weird, and all I keep thinking to myself is, what What's the end game here? Well, mm-hmm. not just what's the end game, but we already saw this shit in TNA with aces and eights. Right. Spoiler. Kyle, can does... you answer me a question, though, Kyle? Yeah. All right. Aces and eights would come out and beat the crap out of the entire roster and then walk away. Wouldn't celebrate, would wait till they got back to their clubhouse and would have a beer. These retribution guys and girls are throwing something through a window and going, woohoo! Like, why is that? Why are you celebrating right now? You broke a window. You didn't beat up Brock Lesnar in the back alley. You didn't take out yeah. Randy Orton. You broke you you blew up a car. Whoop-de-doo. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, you blew, you blew up a car. Braun, Braun Strowman flips one over every other right. week. Don't right. celebrate. And here, and here's the guy. Spoiler alert, guys! I hate to break your heart, but it ain't gonna end the way you think it's gonna end. It's gonna be lackluster. It's gonna be confusing. If it mm-hmm. ends the way they're calling for it, um, which is Tommaso Ciampa and Do- Dominic Dijakovic and NXT people being the end game, I'm maybe okay with it. But it has to be the top guys, like they said. It has to be Champa and Dijakovic and Chelsea Green and people who needed to, who are like, we're pissed because if we would have came to the main roster on our own, Vince would have screwed it up. Good storyline. But if it ends up being like, I don't know, a 205 Live guy and the girl that was on uh, NXT UK that I never heard of before, yeah. I'm going to be like, who the fuck are these people? Oh, no. And it'll, also, can I, can I say, it'll be random. Let, let, me, let me say this. I haven't haven't watched a lot of it, okay? What it needs to be, and what I hope it is, is people that got, like, furloughed. Yes, I agree. And and released when they didn't know what they were going to do, and now they brought them back. The problem is all the big names for that, though, are already in TNA and in No, 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 no. Not all of them are. Where the fuck is Rusev? Rusev is a Twitcher now. He plays video games on, on Twitch while his wife dances on TikTok. 
Unless but she's in his wife's eyes, fuck. Unless, unless you know, it, it, a... if, if she's going to, like, kick up my balls while I play video games. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, front or whatever. like this should be people that... It should be. ...got released when all this shit went down, and now the WWE has decided to quietly hire them back, and when they unveil... Their stupid faces. They're just like, oh yeah, I'm Rusev, or I'm this guy, or I'm that guy. You know? I was the pro- I was the production assistant. Remember me? No. <laughs> Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Okay. One. Does that makes sense, though. I mean, I don't want to be. Dumb. No, I, it does, but you know. But here's the problem. One, you have unmasked or you have masked assailants. So from now until whenever this thing ends, Vince McMahon can have a field day with yep. who he decides wants to be part of it. Yep. And I guarantee it's going to go through his mind that we need a fucking star, pal. We need somebody. You know, same thing with, uh, if history has taught us nothing else, it's the fact that Vince McMahon believes that nothing else, if it comes from NXT, if it's NXT guys, he's going to have to have somebody that's from the main roster. Because you know, you know who would work out somebody. perfectly, right? You know who it should be, Kyle? Who? Roman. It should be. He hasn't been there in four or five months. Let that him walk be, out that would, unmasked. That would actually be kind of cool. And and it, uh, it was I want my retribution. I got the world title stolen from me. I was pushed to the back burner. I kept getting injured, you know. But but the main guy is going to have to be somebody from the main roster because Vince McMahon's mindset is that that nobody else is going to know who these other guys are. Same thing with the invasion. There's a reason why Steve Austin was the fucking face of it because he's like, ah. Oh, can't be DDT, pal, because he's... And I was just about to say, um, you talked about the end game. What's the end game? Unfortunately, I think if we go by the booking pattern of WWE, okay, let's be honest. I know I'm pretty sure everybody on this on this panel, when the Nexus first started... I popped. That was the coolest shit they had done in at least half a decade. Yep. And that happened in what? June? So you built that up, and then by SummerSlam, they lost their fucking 10-man tag match. They lost. They yep. You immediately completely shit all over and they the took work Daniel, you did. They took Daniel Bryan. Right, the Bryan only real name they had. Who was the guy that the people were behind, and they, they stuck him into the WWE team. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Like John Cena was like, eh, this guy, this little midget's my man, you know. Right. Yeah. Sorry, Justin Roberts. Don't mean that he choked we're you gonna, with your tie. We're yeah, gonna be brother-in-laws someday. Right. <laughs> we fucked the same bitch, <laughs> or we thought we did anyway. Or we thought we did. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I I fear that's where it'll go. It'll go the Nexus route, where. <laughs> You know they're they're all gonna they're all gonna get on they're all gonna unmask and then for about a month it'll seem really cool and then at Survivor Series it'll be like Retribution versus Braun Strowman Randy Orton everybody WWE main roster and then they'll just lose. Nate, what if the Undertaker ends up being the one behind this? I mean, I mean if he cool the coolest end game ever, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing, like, okay, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. This is this has Bruce fucking Pritchard written all over it because it's <laughs> the same thing we saw with Aces and Eights. Because uh, 
I haven't watched all SmackDown, but I saw the clips of it from the beginning. So they come out mm-hmm. when Vince McMahon's in the ring, and the Fiend comes out to fucking come face to face with Vince. And of course, Braun Strowman comes out because, mm-hmm. and they face off, and here comes Retribution. Fucking the Fiend waves and disappears, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, is he is Retribution part of the Fiend?" It's like, no, it's just a misdirection. Right. <laughs> this is what we're going to see multiple times. Oh, are they this? Retribution is the Wyatt family. You know? <laughs> and like I said, I, I hate to break your heart, guys. And I hope I'm wrong. But it didn't work out well with Aces and Eights because it ends up being Bully Ray. Spoilers for a fucking right. 10-year-old fucking storyline. But <laughs> I was I okay know. with it being Bully Ray and Aces and Eights. It made sense after a while because Devon was put it in first, like you know, Rick's butt or something? Yeah, because he like marries Brooke, and it just mm-hmm. it was like I I can't agree with that, brother. <laughs> yeah, as long sure as it's not as long as it's not Hornswoggle or Michael Cole behind this or something real stupid, I'll be okay with it. It's the revenge of the anonymous general manager. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, with a name like Retribution, I tend to agree with Aaron. The payoff should be. Furloughed people wrestlers. that got released, or or people that have been at least people that have been scorned in some way, you know, you could you could make a case for Sami Zayn, and like you said, Rusev. Which it would be silly if it was Rusev now, because not a one of them motherfuckers is thick like that. It's like the Black Scorpion thing. Like, <laughs> well, that's that, what saying. It, look I'm at Al Perez's body. Great. I'm not saying it would be like a great angle. I'm just saying that that would be. No, no. that's what they're. All right, there was a there was a report like day before yesterday that on NXT, the girl that wrestled um, um, Dakota Kai was the girl yeah. that jumped up on the ring during SmackDown and because the hair is purple on the bottom and whatever and that she was unmasked and that's that it, this is their way of telling fans just because somebody's under the mask does not mean who it's going to be when they un, un, you know unmask and show them who they are whatever so, Seth Rollins right it could end up being Seth Rollins with a bunch because of because he's attacking you know, SmackDown because they haven't really shown up on Raw they always attack SmackDown and Seth Rollins, and Seth either. Rollins, fuck it. It needs I'm to be saying, something that's. I I know see, what it needs to be, but like I said, the fact is that <laughs> they call it Retribution. They lost its Survivor Series to SmackDown last year. It could be, but I mean, they're not showing up on NXT, which as of except for the people, except for tonight, Raw and SmackDown have been at the Performance Center with NXT. So Retribution decided, oh, no, we don't want to work Wednesday nights. We'll just wait and get NXT later, you know. Yeah. We don't <laughs> like, it makes me like the mask comes off and, like, Lance Storm's like, hey. It was me. Like a market it was me, right Austin. Now. It was me, Vince. It was me all along, A. If I'm to be serious for a minute. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we get into our list, and again, before I don't Before we get into list. our list, I'm going to smoke. Kyle doesn't have a list. Yeah, I've been battling other things. But uh, SummerSlam is this Sunday. What are we excited for? Uh, NXT the night before and AEW the night before. And (laughs) I have no idea. I am am very into Orton and McIntyre. Yep. I'm into McIntyre. I've thought that their I've thought that their rivalry was good. I'm a mark for both guys. I'm excited for the match. 
Um, I think it's weird that we have SummerSlam and we literally have another pay-per-view a week later. Backlash, yeah. which is telling me Orton won't win it at SummerSlam, but he will win it at Backlash. Right, because I, unfortunately for Drew, I think their goal is to have Orton and Edge feud over the title when when Edge comes back. Yes. So, guys, well, I'm going to do this. Right now, you're going to go smoke, uh, Aaron? Okay. The plan um, right now is put the title on Orton. Let him feud with Edge when he comes back up until the Royal Rumble. At that year's Royal Rumble or this year's Royal Rumble, whatever you want to call it, McIntyre wins again and challenges whoever the champion is when there's a crowd because they feel bad that Drew didn't get that thunderous applause when he won the title. Right. Which and and I'm, I'm okay with say. that. I'm okay with that because I'm a Drew guy. I've always yes. been a Drew guy. I want him to have his moment. And if... If they do that, because my biggest fear for him was that, because Vince is Vince, you're going to have the poor guy start his title reign and have his first big run during the pandemic, right? And then somehow, some way, they're going to rationalize it's his fault, right? That, that business is down and stuff, and it's not. He has done an amazing job. His segments on Raw are always good. His feuds have been good. He's the most interesting thing on that he show. Has, he has personality. Yes. Guys he's walking to the ring and saying, hey, all you cute, cool cats and kittens. Right. And, and jumping <laughs> for joy and doing, actually showing emotion. He's been Plus what? Showing emotion. Yeah, he's been what a he's been what a babyface champion is supposed to be. Yes. He's, he's, he is, he is oh, charismatic. He's good and, looking. He fights me. heel With after heel. I think he's like Shawn Michaels, where in 96, 97, people, you know, they say like, oh, Shawn Michaels, you know, was the champion during a down period. But I think it looks as like, how bad would it be if he hadn't been the champion? Right. Like, exactly. Rock Lesnar, there wouldn't have been a champion on, on TV then. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited about Strowman and uh, The Fiend because I like what I they're doing. Too. I like what they're doing with the Alexa Bliss thing. Yes. How they're kind of turning Braun heel. Mm-hmm. And the Fiend kind of face. Because he come out to kind of save. I, I think the change there, though, they're going to they're, they're gonna make it look like a double turn, Kyle. And right. then when Alexa Bliss ends up being Sister Abigail, the Fiend and her are full-time heel, and that's when Braun snaps out of it and becomes face again. And it might be. I mean, but yeah, I like what they're doing. Like I said, it's I do too. I'm, for as much as you can say, I'm very intrigued. Fuck it, I'll say it. I'm excited to see what Dominic can do. Right. I am too. I'm excited to see what him and Seth are going to do come, you know, Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my problem with the whole thing. They keep yelling out, you know, uh, Ray said it on Monday Night Raw. Seth Rollins said it the week before. He's an inexperienced uh, amateur his father is Rey Mysterio. That kid has been training to be a wrestler since yeah. he was probably nine years old. Not only that, he's a Hispanic Lucha Libre son. Of course he was in a ring when he was young. Well, they're going to mm-hmm. tell you he's an experience, so that way comes Sunday when he does really well, people will be like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, but I'd rather they would have hyped him up to be a badass and let me go, hey, I want to be behind this kid. Right now, I kind of sort of hope Seth beats his ass, and then they go back to the feud with Ray because... <laughs> Here's what I didn't understand. Ray's sitting there going, you hurt my son, but you're showing me no emotion, Ray. Like, if somebody did that to my son the week before, 
I would have been beating their ass immediately. There would have right. been no come out to the ring and cut a promo. Mm-hmm. You know? That's always been Ray's problem, though, is that he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. He did when Eddie passed away. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, that... You That's know. a real life thing. It's easy to. Did you, know. you see Dominic's chest and and and, and stomach and, and, yeah, and back? That was real. That wasn't no bullshit makeup. That we really got cake. But, well, now hang on a second. Dominic's not really his. He's he's Eddie's. So yeah, true. <laughs> well, then <laughs> he should be more upset you know, than he was upset when Eddie died. Eddie was his poppy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's why that's bullshit on both accounts. I don't think he's Ray or Eddie's. I think that Vicky was fooling around. Because that kid's six Excuse foot two. That kid's <laughs> six foot two. Okay? Eddie was Eddie was at the most five nine and Ray is five five. It was Brock. It was Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that modern product talk out of the way, we're gonna start our top tens here. Top 10 favorite ECW stars. Again, these people probably have wrestled in other organizations, so we're just talking about their time in ECW. And, of course, we are not including in this list because it is a given that everybody's favorite ECW star is Stone Cold Chad Austin. That's um, true. They, part of the We Can't Wrestle family. I was just talking to Chad about Thunderdome tonight. So he was, uh, he was like wanna, me. He was wait and see. Um, I don't, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but Aaron asked me yesterday which is why I needed the picture um, if I could possibly commission to do a uh, Aaron, to do a um, Chad Austin custom Hasbro. So that I'm going to get the parts together and I'm going to make one for Aaron and one for Chad. And Chad, that's, that's a awesome. killer. Chad, that was a killer fucking mullet, my friend. <laughs> and Chad said on our podcast, Chad Austin told one of my favorite shoot stories ever. The Hackmeyer story will forever now be one of my favorite shoot stories How ever. Hack Myers, Hack Myers, Hack Myers wrestling Chad Austin in his front yard. It's so funny. Just go back to episode 100 and listen to that story, folks. It's, you, you'll you'll uh, you'll appreciate it. All right, Aaron, you get to go first. Numero diez for you in ECW. ECW, one of my favorite acts, and this is a two-person one. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. That's not true. Um, it's Sandman. Like, I like Sandman. Okay. Like, I like Hardcore Hack. I like Hack. Mm-hmm. But Sandman with Woman is fantastic. They yeah. are a great act where... It's just this overbearing, just domination. It's just telling this guy, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And he's just like, oh, my God. Like, like, like if you want to see what they were really getting at with that gimmick is go back and watch, like, late 94, early 95 with Sandman and Woman. It's fantastic. You want it really to see what is it's like to be married. Go back and watch that fucking. <laughs> well, well, see, that's and... the thing with Sandman. He what? It wasn't even like uh, this is like she's giving me the she's giving me the poon or whatever. It was no. just like there was a working again, relationship. It's like marriage. You're not even getting the fucking poon. <laughs> you're, you're getting fucking yelled my, at. Uh, my first sight of ECW 
when I was 10 years old. I don't even remember what channel it was on, but I was flicking through the channels and I watched Hardcore Hack in a match with 911. And then they showed a preview or a backlog of Sandman blinding Tommy Cairo with a cane shot to the face. Mm -hmm. So I've always been a Sandman fan. I'm happy Aaron put him on the list. Sandman is that guy that if you go back and watch ECW, he's not a great wrestler. He's not an in-ring technician. He's not. But he had his moments. He every now and then he would pull out a move that was like, really? But <laughs> for for those fans in that crowd, when he came out to enter Sandman with that beard, it was like oh, yeah. whole Steve Austin coming out. Yeah, he was over like Rover. Mm-hmm. And he... And you just said wasn't a great wrestler, but you know what? He was also one of those guys. Like, and I'm not I'm not comparing in any way. I guess the magnitude of his stardom or anything to Hulk Hogan, but he was one of those guys like Hulk Hogan, where he knew what he was. He was comfortable with it, and he took it to the bank every single night. And you know, he wasn't going to try to be something he was not. And that that that's that's proven in the time that he was in the WCW, you know, when he was hardcore hack. And, and he, see, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not even I'm not even putting Sandman on my list, which I like Sandman. Mm-hmm. I'm saying the act of Sandman and woman. That right. to me was fantastic. Oh, definitely. She didn't because to, she shouldn't have been in the ECW arena, woman. She was like and, above and it. It's like, and it was it's like this, this beautiful woman. And uh, that's her name. This beautiful woman is with this fucking sloppy, disgusting, drink, beer drinking, cigarette smoking dude in Zubaz. And she's just like, like, there's this great deal where Tommy is feuding with him. And that's where. Tommy hit the cigarette into his eye, and it led up to it. Mm-hmm. In the I Quit match, where she's like, "You better not disrespect me. You better not lose this match. You better not say I quit. If you say I quit, you're the worst guy in the world." And he's just like, "Oh man, I should have never left Peaches." Like he's just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this woman is so overbearing." But it, it was it's the so fantastic. Picture. Those two together is a great fucking act. The I chemistry love they had with Sandman and Woman together. Here, I think Sandman kind of has the Keanu Reeves uh, aspect to him, where like the reason why Keanu gets cast in so many movies is because he's I don't want to say vanilla, but like it's easy to put yourself in his position, right? You can project mm-hmm. yourself on him in any role. I think Sandman was that way too. Where, like, how many of those people in that crowd are sitting there beer drinking, cigar smoking, right. cigarette smoking guys that has an overbearing wife at home? Yeah. Canaries. We've so, gone too far. Too we know much. too much. To what Nate said about his time in, in WCW, he came back from WCW. And his first ECW back, he came back and he had the Zubas on and the shirt. He rips off the shirt, and this guy's got a six-pack, and he's ripped. And I'm like, that's not the fucking Sandman. Yes, no. Sandman. What did WCW do? What the what hell did you do, do to our Sandman, WCW? It's like when Blue Meanie, when Blue Meanie lost all that. Right. He's, 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 he's like, got a tan, and he's got a six-pack. I'm like, what the fuck did they do to him for that six months? My God. What is with Buff Meanie over here? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for ECW, he was perfect. He was, he was absolutely perfect. 
and to Aaron's to what Aaron's saying, him and woman probably one of the better combinations in that company. Oh, yeah. And they had one of the funnest breakups ever. Like before she went to WCW, the whole oh. thing with Two Cold Scorpio yeah. Yeah, and like threw her in the limo and all that yeah. shit. <laughs> yep. Can we just yeah, say man, real quick? woman, woman? Let me say, and and I and I know it's gonna be like you know, and I I, I don't want to trail off into like another conversation of he who shall not be named but woman was an understated talent definitely and that's what I was kind of going to say she was beautiful okay she was a beautiful woman don't get me wrong like, like very attractive and every role that you would put Nancy in she fucking knocked it out of the park like, she was, she was an understated Sherry. Yeah, yeah. They didn't give her. They, if they would have given her the same uh, film, like TV time, Sherry had, and actually let her speak when she could have, she might have been way over than you know than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like imagine, like imagine, like, and I, and I know we kind of dogged him a little bit earlier, but like, imagine if. Of Vince McMahon would have been able to get a hold of Nancy Sullivan in her prime. It she I might have been she, like Selena Vega is now. I think she would have eclipsed anything that Sherry did. Oh, and, and, and I and I know Sherry's like holy grail, and she's amazing or was amazing, but I just think Nancy honestly was better looking than Sherry. And I think Nancy sold the like chick. You know what I mean? Like the Yeah. She uh I just I just think Nancy was underrated in her role. And she was. And that's the that's one of the saddest parts of the whole tragedy is the fact that like her contributions have been lost to time mm-hmm. because of everything. My One of my favorite Nancy Sullivan Nancy woman things is when she was with Ric Flair and Miss Elizabeth because you had yep. the you had the angel and the demon. Yep. Yeah. The woman or woman, the, won't you marry me marry now? Marry me now. <laughs> God, she was, she was like I, the one she was like the one chick that Flair couldn't fuck. Yeah. You know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> Come on, just marry me. Just marry me. Like, so I can... like, like not to be <laughs> not to be like, you know well, vulgar Flair, on it, but, but well, Flair couldn't bang her. Like he wanted to because at the time the booker was their husband. <laughs> Sullivan would have booed his ass from the but, but even even the story, like but, Flair was but, just but like, look, I wanna bang this chick. Right. She's just like, at, nope. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> oh, Rick. Ah, uh, <laughs> Had she I'm been your balls, fucker. This is this is a really bad joke, and I don't mean it to be crude or anything. But had she just banged Ric Flair, Chris Benoit might not have gotten his hands on her. Because <laughs> Flair would have been like, "That's my girl, go away." Yeah, Ooh. you know. But storyline wise, man, the one chick that Rick didn't get. Yep. Was yep. Going. yep. 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 So All right, our team. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. Sandman with woman. I like Fantastic. that. I Archie like hit that. us with your number 10. Um, 
again, I found ECW unexpectedly and like three weeks into watching it, the, the one of the first matches I caught eyes on was Two Cold Scorpio versus Jason. Mm-hmm. And Scorpio beat Jason for the TV title. So what does Jason do? He becomes the shit, the chicken shit heel, brings in his shooter, Dean Malenko. Mm-hmm. Dean Malenko spent like a year in ECW, but his time there as a member of the Triple Threat with Benoit Douglas and his matches with Guerrero, Scorpio, Taz. I think Dean Malenko is is one of the best things ECW let get away. It, it, yes, you're right. And, and, um, the other thing about Malenko is he was part of, and like you said, discovering ECW. Right. He was part of what he was part of that. Okay. Cause I always say that ECW to me, for me, and for a lot of people, it's not the case. A lot of people love the later stuff too, but right. ECW jumped the shark for me in like 96 mm-hmm. after 96. Eh. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. But it was the same but, hardcore match every five yes, minutes. You know? That 94-95 ECW, where you have, you have, you'll have an opening match where it's a hardcore match with a bunch of guys bleeding all each, over each other. Yep. Then you're going to hit me with, uh, what the fuck is a Lucha Libre match? Right. And then you're going to give me a technical classic with Eddie Guerrero and, and Dean Malenko. To a 30-minute draw. Yeah, and that's you what know. that was the best ECW. Ninety four, ninety five was the best ECW because it was it was what Nitro became. Right, Ni- it you was know, a it, of professional wrestling. Yes, and it was it, that, it. And Eric Bischoff can say all the shit he wants about. Oh, I didn't even watch ECW. I had give me a break because he patterned times. he patterned Nitro. In a, in, a, in a corporate way, in a corporate way mm-hmm. that was a little, you know, it wasn't as risque or whatever, but he absolutely patterned Nitro after ECW. We're going to give them the opening match with the Lucha Libre match. We're going to give them yep. a couple of guys beating the fuck out of each other. We're going to give them yep. a good technical match, and then we're going to give them our main event. Right. And, yeah, absolutely. And Malenko definitely and, deserves to be to be right Heyman, there. And Heyman for, has always said in every interview he's ever done, Eric Bischoff used to call him, who can I have? Who do you have for me? Who do you only have on a handshake deal? Who do you have for six months and I can take from you? Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't Paul, if it wasn't Eric Bischoff, it was Jim Cornette feeding guys to Paul Heyman. So it was kind of like a vicious circle of who they would start in Memphis or in, in you know, where, where Cornette was, end up in Philly, and then end up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then Vince McMahon caught on and went, shit, I know Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette better than Eric Bischoff does. I need to call them and tell them, hey, I want those guys. Right. You know? Dean Malenko is the kind of guy that if he had been in his heyday in the 50s and 60s, he'd be the biggest fucking star for wrestling ever saw. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, it wasn't about big personalities. It was about in-ring, you know. Yep. Dean Malenko is that kind of guy that he could show up to an arena or whatever, challenge anybody in that crowd, and people are going to look at him and be like, "I can take him." Right. <laughs> and then he's like, like a fucking pretzel. I can say this, and Nate can attest to this because he's known me since I was born. Dean Malenko, to me, is in my top ten favorite wrestlers. I agree with that. And and they can 
podcast that I'm not like, you know, sugarcoating it, Nate. You know, right. yep. I fucking love Dean Malenko. He's fantastic. And like, he didn't need to talk like, when he finally did talk in WCW. It was it meant something. Like Dean you know Malenko, I mean? Dean Malenko has never in my entire life that I've watched him had a bad fucking match. Nope. Ever. Nope. Ever. Nope. And he's had great matches with people that didn't deserve to have great matches. Scotty Too Hotty. He got a great match out of Scott Taylor. Yeah. It's like... Um, Dean Malenko's the shit. Dean Malenko has one of my favorite... Has one of my favorite fucking finishing moves. Oh, yeah. and he did it... He. Why is it nobody else can do it the way Malenko used to do it? Because nobody can do it's like it's like Jake Roberts with a professional right. wrestler like Dean Malenko. But I mean, he would literally grab the guy's legs and then plex into it and put them underneath him. Everybody else has the leg too high and the, and it's not under the arm enough. It's like, why are you even trying? See, Nate, I'll say this. Nate, I'll say this. And I and I love the guy that I'm gonna compare him to. But Dean Malenko, Nate, is my Steve Regal. That's a pretty big honor. Regal is 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 damn it's good. It's fantastic. Fucking Regal. Yeah, well, and, and, and very few and, terrible matches. Well, like, and Aaron Aaron will attest to this as far as technical wrestlers go <laughs> bell to bell. What he's saying about that that's his Steve Regal is Steve Regal is my Dean Malenko. Steve well, Regal right. is. Like for me, Steve Regal. Like I've never seen a bad Steve Regal match. You like know? You well, okay. Tell, let it, me it, take that back. Let me take that back. And I'm getting off topic. He had when he his was the man's he, man. Well, but I'm saying he had <laughs> his even cool as shit. But but Steve but, but no, what, I'm, what I'm saying. I, hold I, on, I, listen. He had his. Steve Regal uh, he, the man man's thing off. He did. Face. I didn't say he did. During that time, he was the drizzling shits, though, because he was drugged up, he was fat, he was out of shape, he and wasn't doing it. three minutes on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, Regal, you know? Regal, Regal healthy and Regal clean and Regal sober. Jesus. Amazing. But he I wasn't think, in ECW, so we're not going to talk about no, William I think Regal. I, I, I really wasn't. I was just using that as an example of how, how much I, and I know, respect and love Dean Malenko. And I know that this wasn't in ECW, but Dean Malenko, when he was in WCW, Bobby Heenan had the best analogy for him. Because Bobby Heenan said, this man will never tell you a joke. Right. He won't ask you about your date. He won't shake your hand. All he's going to do is beat you. That's why he's the Iceman. Because yep. all he's going to do is he's going to beat you. Right. <laughs> His feud with Jericho in WCW. Just, I mean, it sums it up perfect. His feud with Jericho in WCW when Jericho mentions his dad and his brother and Malenko finally comes out and talks for the first time. That's what I mean. When he actually said something, it meant something. Stinko Malenko. You know? He, didn't, honestly, he didn't, like, you know? Behind the scenes, I've read plenty of books that Dean Malenko was the funniest motherfucker in the locker room. Like, Chris Jericho said that they were at a strip club, and there was, like, this, like, skinny stripper. She was, like, dancing and, like, doing her thing, 
And Dean Malanka was like, I don't know if I should give her a dollar or a food stamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's, That's funny. All right, Nate, you're on deck. My number 10 is, and my number 10 and my number 9 are are on there for, for, for one reason. Well, number 9 is on there for many reasons, but number 10 mostly because he's one of the guys that brought the company to prominence, put it on the map, made it his home, and to me is synonymous with ECW, no matter what else he did in his career. It's Shane Douglas. I got to scratch him off my list, man. And, and, I, I and had Shane Douglas as well, my like, number well, one. It was Arden Anderson. Arden Anderson was... was Kyle is frozen. Yes, Kyle is... Kyle, your audio is poopy. <laughs> I had Shane Douglas at number one. Okay, okay. So you just well, scratched my number one off. <laughs> well... And the reason Shane is, and Aaron Aaron said earlier that I can attest to some things. Aaron can attest to this. As far as an in-ring worker. Um, Shane was fantastic. Now, hold on. Let me finish my oh, thought. Shane is a great as an wrestler. As an in-ring worker, I always found Shane to be standard. Shane was very standard as an in-ring worker. Um, I wouldn't even say standard. Man. He didn't. He didn't. He never did anything in the ring to me. He never did anything in the ring to me that offended me. But he never did anything in the ring to me that uh, uh, that impressed me. Now that being said, uh, if we're talking about ECW, he was literally the standard bearer for ECW. He was the guy that threw that NWA championship down, proclaimed the ECW championship a world championship gave credence to that organization and for that reason and his loyalty and his promos and again I'm not shitting on his work and I'm not saying I'm I hate Shane Douglas but I'm just saying for me for for me he was always more about the persona of Shane Douglas than the wrestler Shane Douglas and, well, and that's, that's, true. that's what ECW was well, not necessarily. Yeah. We just we just talked about Guerrero and Malenko. We just talked about. Uh, but I'm saying, CEO. like, as ECW as an extent was, who is this person that's gonna rebel and say fuck this and fuck that and fuck this and fuck that and fuck this guy and fuck that guy? That was Shane. Shane. And I'm going to say something here. Shane was basically what Paul Heyman wanted to say. Right. It was the right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when like, when, like, people talk about Vince and they're like, oh, Vince McMahon looked at himself as Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon looked at himself as Lex Luger and Vince McMahon looks at himself as this guy. Paul Heyman looked at himself as Shane Douglas. Right. And realized that he was a fat, pudgy Jewish guy. And now here is this good-looking, blonde athlete, and I'm going to let him cut my promo for me. Shane was the epitome of of ECW. ECW, without a doubt. 
And Archie, you said you had Shane at number one on your well, list. So here's I'll why. let you elaborate on that. Here's why. Nate, you, when I won the Asylum Champ of the Month, you saw my, my video when I started to go live was the Shane Douglas speech. Yeah. That speech <laughs> when he throws down that belt and he looks up at the air and he goes, well, Dad, it's, it's time. And he just reads off these names. And you think he's giving an acceptance speech. You think this man is humbled and... And, and the flares and the steamboats and the dusties and when the, when he lets out with and they can all kiss my ass. All I could think of when I was a kid was, wow, really? He hates and, all my favorite guys. And for you younger wrestling fans that have literally seen everything now, and see these kinds of things on a weekly basis, right? No, this was the big. This was the first pipe bomb I had that, ever seen. Yeah, that was. Absolutely you right. Know, and that's why I say this guy was the epitome of ECW. Now, um, here's the thing, Nate. I'm a Flair Mark. You know that. Mm-hmm. And and when I first heard Shane shitting on Flair, it's like, why is he saying that about Flair? And as I got older, and I'm still a Flair Mark, but I'm a Shane Mark, too. I started to realize what he was saying was true. Flair mm-hmm. kept undercutting him in every company he was in. And Shane, and Shane was a good wrestler, man. In my opinion, he was. I mean, he wasn't. He, was he wasn't the Rock. He wasn't. You know, he didn't have flashy moves, but he was able to be technical enough that you bought into him being a wrestler. But then he backed it up with a badass persona that made you mm-hmm. go, "Okay, I could buy into this guy. I could see him as a world champion." I think and, if 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 we had had the if they had the opportunity to have Shane Douglas versus Ric Flair in '95. 96. I think it would have drawn a lot of money. And if it wasn't, oh, if it wasn't booked by Vince Russo, would Viagra on a yeah, bowl. Jesus yeah. Christ! That's yeah, we get get by the time we got to can that, you, can you imagine if that would have been happened when Flair finally wrestled Hogan for the first time, or Andre and Hogan would have wrestled at WrestleMania three in a diaper on a pole mat? You know Bro. what I mean? Like, like you get the biggest feud that people have been talking about for fifteen years, and this is what you decided. And that should be the ending of it. And that, my friend, is Vince Rousseau in a nutshell. How did I get into this nutshell, bro? <laughs> Aaron, what's your number nine? My number nine is Tommy Dreamer. My number nine as well. He's not even my number nine. I'm just saying. Like, I didn't put these in any order. I'm just saying. No, he, had, he was number nine on my list. Tommy gave his life to that company. And I'm not even saying like yeah, oh, probably one. had his paychecks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost you know, all it's of like them. like I, I'm not even I'm not even putting Tommy on my list because of the fact that he put everything he had into it. I'm putting the fact that Tommy's fantastic. And I even enjoyed I even enjoyed Tommy Jr. when he went to the WWE. I think Tommy was the most sympathetic, not most sympathetic, was the second most sympathetic character in all of ECW. He was the Rocky of ECW. You were rooting for him for the first two movies, hoping he'd get over. Yeah. And... It's like you don't want this guy to get his ass beat all the time, but right. it just keeps happening. And it's like you want him to overcome everything that's happening to him. 
four years waiting for him to finally beat Raven cleanly. Four look, years. <laughs> I think looking back on it, it is one of those things, the best way you can sum it up with Tommy Dreamer is that he is ECW's undertaker. Oh, without he is a doubt. WCW Sting. He is that one guy, that franchise I was, player. I was about to say Tommy Dreamer. Tommy that's Dreamer. The most, that's the most coherent, coherent and um, correct thing Kyle's ever said. I mean, I was about. I was. I was. was ECW's Undertaker. Kind of in the same vein. That's what I was going to say. Was that Tommy is to ECW what Lawler is to Memphis? Without a doubt, he is the guy that was always there. You know, through the thick and the thin, until that shit went out of business, he was the guy that was always. This was the thing about Tommy. He said on many of interviews, I had offers from WWE. I had offers from WCW. I didn't want to leave Paul. It wasn't about a paycheck. Him, him guys like him and Bubba Ray and, and Mick Foley and Terry Funk were the uh, secretaries. They were the bookers. They were the, the, the guys who got the plane rides together. Mm-hmm. Tommy saw something in ECW where he, he, he felt, I'm not a small fish in a small, a big fish in a small pond. I'm just right. I go to right. one of these other companies and they shit on me like they did to Shane Douglas and the Sandman and everybody, except for Mick Foley. They actually mm-hmm. gave Mick Foley the right kind of push. Tommy felt if he got shit on there, he would have to come back to the ECW with his tail between his legs. And the fans would have said, well, you sold out. We won't accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can we, can if we, if nothing else. Sorry. If nothing else, no, that's the guy, okay. according to every, every story, he's the guy who turned the lights out on ECW. Yep. Yeah, he was he was it. That was. And can we can we just briefly bring up the fact that he fantasized about putting a bullet in the back of Paul Heyman's head at WrestleMania 17? Yes. You guys read that? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, seriously, Aaron. He said he was so depressed around that time that his plan was he was going to go to WrestleMania 17. He was going to jump the rail. He was going to shoot Paul Heyman in the head, and then he was going to put a bullet in his own head. He was so depressed Jesus. at that time. That was Jesus. his. That was where he was at WrestleMania 17. And, time. That guy <laughs> needs to sleep. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not here to justify. Take a nap. I'm not here to justify anything, but I can see where he's coming from. Oh yeah. But here's you are. Here you are trying to you know not knowing what the hell is going on with ECW. You know. And here's Paul Heyman on fucking WWE television, mm-hmm. being yep. like, uh, "Look at me!" I I'd, I'd have, yeah, you mother. He's like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> I have had the the privilege of meeting Tommy Dreamer three times, and on the third time, he introduced me to Beulah, his wife, because they are really married, mm-hmm. and his two twin daughters. He looks a good looking woman. She still is. Yes, she I didn't put her gorgeous. on my list, but she's. Not he is the most that. respectable, nicest human being I've ever met at a wrestling show. This guy went out of his way to sign stuff, set up chairs, because it was his company. It was the House of Hardcore. Mm-hmm. He was setting up chairs, and as he was doing it, signing autographs for kids, taking pictures, telling Matt Hardy, yeah, you got to be at that table, telling Brian KJ, you got to be in the back. Brian Cage went off and said, well, fuck it. Why ain't I in the front with Matt Hardy? And Tommy Dreamer literally looked at this muscle-bound son of a bitch, Brian Cage, and said, <laughs> Motherfucker, it's my show. If I tell you to go to the back, you go to the back. 
<laughs> and Brian Cage went, no problem, Mr. Dreamer, and walked straight to the back. I bet and he I, did. <laughs> and I went, wow, he just power tripped on that guy's ass, and that was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> this so, motherfucker took a kendo shot to the testicles and had to get him yep. fucking drained after. And and had like, and had, uh, and had and had two twin girls afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, when you have Eula as your wife, I mean, oh yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's yeah. easy, you know. I think that may be the one bright spot in Tommy's whole time with ECW. You could say, well, at least I met Beulah. Yeah. You know, and at least they gave me my wife out of all. Of yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> All right, so who's next? Uh, I believe I am. And All right. Aaron mentioned my number nine, so I'm going to go to my number eight. Okay. Um, he was really badly used in WCW because they put a damn mask on his face. And then when he got to ECW, his matches with Rob Van Dam, Justin Credible, and Lance Storm were fantastic. Uh, Jerry Lynn mm-hmm. is my number eight because he didn't just – it wasn't about tables and chairs. He only used them when another guy would bring him in the ring. But the man wrestled his heart out in the ECW arena and had those bloodthirsty maniacs cheering for him the whole time. Absolutely. Even when he went heel. Even when he went heel and they were booing him because he was with Cyrus and the network and all that bullshit, they were still cheering oh, yeah. him for his in-ring work. And that's when you know you've made it. Because it's not about what I am. I'm a heel. I'm a face. I'm a tweener. It doesn't matter. You right. cheer me because I excited you about the match I just had. So and he, that's... he was he was a Jerry Lynn was a fantastic wrestler and like you said it, it did not matter what persona he was playing when nope. he when that bell rang those people were thoroughly entertained they knew they were going to get a good 15 to 25 yep. minute match yep with almost anybody he wrestled with especially um, Rob Van Dam especially Rob Van Dam those guys have those guys have some of the classic matches in the entire... Up until recently, they had a match in TNA like seven or eight years ago, whenever House of Hardcore was, when they brought the, the ECW back. Mm-hmm. They had a match for 25 minutes on pay-per-view, and it was like they were still going in the ECW arena. Well, I'm going to see that at some point, because for those of you that don't know, yep, um, I have not watched TNA, Impact, whatever it is, in 15 years. Um, it's... Nate's got a lot of catching up to do. And I have started watching Impact, and it is probably, right now, honestly, after NXT, it's my favorite wrestling show on TV right now. And I have subscribed to Impact Plus, and I am going back. I went back to 2004, and I am watching I am watching TNA as it Good. laid out. Because, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm into, I'm into the, Christian, the Christian title reign. He should yep. have stayed there. Still and should have stayed in Impact. In, in so... TNA. So eventually that, I'll get there. <laughs> that 04, 05, 06 yep. version of TNA was fucking amazing. Just before the red and the yellow came in. Yep. Just before the red and the so yellow true. came in. But back to Jerry. Back to Jerry Lynn. Yes. Um, yeah. and Not Jerry Flynn. Not Jerry Flynn. No. Actually, Jerry Flynn. Thunderfoot was cool. He was um, cool. But we're not talking about him right now. We're talking about Jerry Lynn. <laughs> Two completely different wrestlers. Um, Jerry Lynn, again, I mean, I've never... Uh, another guy I've never seen have a bad match. Nope. Uh, you know, when he went to WWE and he was the light heavyweight champion, he had to wrestle under those WWE restrictions, but he still made the best of it. Yep. Um, he wasn't used Mr. properly. JL. Mr. JL in WCW. Which was actually weird because that was before he was Jerry Lynn. I never understood why they 
called him Mr. JL and put the mask on him. Didn't make yeah. sense. Yeah, but, I don't. I don't get. WCW had a hard on for putting white guys in, in masks and calling them Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> like they did it four times and it was unsuccessful every time. You know what? And this is this Alvin too. This is this is yeah. off. This is yeah. off. This is off topic. Put kind fucking of. Jamie Noble in a fucking mask. What are you saying? This is off. This is off topic, kind of. Um, but it's the same vein, and it's not comparing him to J- Jerry Lynn at all. But do you know the white guy that they put a mask on and made him a luchador that was the best? That I think it sucked that he never got his opportunity. Al Snow. No. No. Blitzkrieg. That yeah. fucking Blitzkrieg guy was yeah, that, fantastic. I know that, we're off topic, but that no. guy, like I remember back then watching him going, this is the guy. This is your next cruiserweight champion. And they this never put next... him over the right way. They would no. never put him over a no. V or a Ray or anybody. That he guy was I don't match. I don't know what he did. Oh, I'm sorry, Kyle. I didn't mean to cut you no. off. But I was just going to say, I don't know what he did after WCW, but that guy could have been huge. Definitely. He was so he was good. Like, he was so good that think about it because like in ninety eight ninety nine when he finally comes in and stuff like that's after like the Jerichos and that's after you know right Malenko's the, on to the Horsemen and, and yep and going like, to the United States he's having amazing matches with Tuvan Two Guerrero he's having right, amazing yeah. matches you know and they'll let they'll let him beat Lodi and Lenny Lane but he can't beat Hoovy well why right. why can't he beat Hoovy <laughs> Tuvan Two Guerrero one time right you know <laughs> help the guy out. He can't beat Laparca, but Super Calo is easy for him. Like, really? So we, we know where his, his limits are. You know what I mean? My number nine is um, much to the much to the same my way. number nine? No. We so did you had yours, your then we did Archie's. Tommy Dreamer. Now we're doing okay. mine. Okay. Um, much in the same vein of Douglas, as I said, being, being uh, a stalwart of ECW and someone that helped put ECW on the map. I don't think you can have a list of top 10 ECW stars without including one of the greatest of all time, Terry Funk. He was my number two. <laughs> That's my funny. My, 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 my 10 is your one. My yeah, nine is your two. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, Terry was, I mean, has anybody ever seen anything? I mean, other than, I don't know, even when they were clowning him as the, 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 the commissioner of WCW or whatever, Terry Funk was never bad. Terry Funk was no. always good. And, uh, Charlie. And, I, and I know we're, Charlie was still good. Even we're focusing on ECW, though. I, and, I know, but I just got to say this. The, the WCW 2000s, the feuds between Scream and Normally, Norman... Yeah, and fucking uh, Terry <laughs> Funk. That was actually enjoyable. Like you, enjoy it, it was almost it was almost the best shit on that show. Actually, <laughs> Ralph Ralphus is hitting him. Ter- with a bench Terry and- Terry had a thing with Ralphus. Okay, he had like a hardcore feud with Norman and Ralphus. Yep. Where and I don't know we're talking about ECW, but this is a WCW thing. It, Terry said. Where's he at? And the stagehand was like two doors down past the Doritos. <laughs> and then Terry saw the Doritos and he's like, oh, they're down there then. And, and then he went and attacked him. <laughs> it was stupid as fuck, but it cracks me he up. Made, he made it work, though. But, yeah. to put, to, but, to, but to put his ECW run in perspective, um, and, and this is where I'll leave mine and we can discuss, but 
and it's it's much to what we talked about with Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas took the NWA championship, threw it down, and said this ECW championship means more to me. What Terry did, the epitome of what Terry did for ECW, no matter uh, – he put a bunch of guys over. He he talked the promotion up, et cetera, et cetera. There's the, yep. But the epitome of what he did was he acted like winning that match at Barely Legal and winning that ECW championship was better was, than any other title. Exactly. It was the biggest moment of his yep. career. Yep. And for him to do that for that company – Proves not only he's one of the greatest professionals of all time. For him to have that kind of a fucking match at that age, mm-hmm. that one that, performance to me, that one look, performance makes him number nine on my list. And not even well, that, but look, think about look the fact. That, think about sorry, the fact that when you, no, you're fine. Think about the fact when you watch Beyond the Mat and he's sitting there talking yep. to the fucking knee doctor, and he's like. He's like, you're going to have pain in your knee for the rest of your life unless you get the surgery. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I can't wrestle if I get surgery. How long can I go without the pain? He's like, you shouldn't be able to walk now. You shouldn't <laughs> yeah, you should be able, be able to, to walk, walk now. now. Right. You literally That's, have no fucking knees. <laughs> when I, was, when just, I saw that I, as a kid and I heard him say that to him, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, why are you walking? You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like, look at Terry. If you guys talk about Terry Funk. With ECW, look at the original, like, Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yep. Terry was the first mainstream guy. Yep. Be like, okay, I'm going to put my name on this. And he feuded with Hunter T. Robinson. He, he called him Hunter T. Robinson the turd. And he did that shit. Terry fucking accepted and lived ECW. Mm-hmm. He really did. Like, I love the fact that Stevie Richards' story when he's talking about being in that opening contest. At Barry Legal yeah. with, with them, and he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and like, Terry Funk's just like, I picked you to be in this match. It's all right, you can, you know, you got this. Like, it just to me for those point, guys. For the, I'm, I am absolutely positive, positive without even talking to them. For those guys in that locker room to have that man in right. there with them, showing his confidence in them and talking about it, how. I mean, how amazing could that have been? How how inspiring could that have been for that roster? You know, well, to have Terry he, motherfucking Funk in he there. Is exactly what a, a a gentleman and a man is in pro wrestling at the tail end of his career, where mm-hmm. it's not about him. He's doing what he right. can to bring the next stars up. Absolutely. Terry All right. Funk, uh, Nate, um, you mentioned, you know, him winning the title at Barely Legal. Him and Douglas feuded for that ECW title long before ECW even hit mm-hmm. TV, though. Yeah. And the, the, they, I, I always used That's to hear the seg- Joey the... Styles say, the night the line was crossed. And I'd be like, what the fuck is this? I need this videotape and I can never get it. <laughs> so I finally get it. I find it on YouTube. And it's them fighting for the Eastern Championship Wrestling title. Mm-hmm. 
Douglas won, but Funk's leg was under the rope. So the referee said, oh, it's a no, no, it's a, you know, we should have restarted the match. They take right. the belt from Funk. And now Funk is sitting there going and, and holding the belt going, look, kid, if you want this belt, just say you want it. And Douglas says, no, I want to beat your ass for it. And then all of a sudden, Terry Funk takes the belt and pie faces Douglas with it as hard as he can. And Shane topples over, gets back up, and Dex Punk. And uh, Dex Funk. And all I keep thinking is, was this real? Right. <laughs> Did these two guys actually go at it without anybody realizing? And and I, I'm glad you brought that up, Archie. I'm glad you brought up the fact of finding the video because this off topic, but I, it just reminded me, and I want to segue into this real quick because Nate's talked about it, or Archie's talked about it, Heron's talked about it. Now more than ever, it's important to keep your wrestling DVDs because a mm-hmm. lot of the Bret Hart stuff got taken off the network because of the dispute between the two. Yep. But just because it's up there now doesn't mean it's always going to be up there. How right. long until the guys from ECW has a dispute, or how long mm-hmm. until? Yep. I will never get. I will never get rid of it. I will never get rid of any of my DVDs, any of my Blu-rays, because no matter what, the WWE Network isn't guaranteed forever. So, all right, Aaron, number eight. Number eight on my list would be um, Mikey Whipwreck. Okay. Mikey likes it. I love me some Mikey Whipwreck, <laughs> like. Mikey is the epitome of Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, like this fucking guy, is the biggest loser in the world. But he winds up. A grand slam, a, a, a triple threat champion. <laughs> yeah, like like he accidentally falls into being champion. Like Mikey Whipwreck is is fantastic. I I, I love Mikey Whipwreck. My my favorite Mikey Whipwreck moments is like when he first started off when he's teaming with Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack's like, you know, he's like, what do you think, Mikey? Mikey's like, I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death, right? <laughs> yeah, like, like, he's the guy that was just involved in this fucking situation. Of he just this look like, oh, my violent God. Violent company. Oh. And he's just like, I, 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 I want nothing to do with this. This is terrible. No, I want nothing to do with it. And he's just stuck in it. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. My favorite Mikey Whipwreck moment when Cactus joins Raven's Den or Nest or whatever it was called in ECW, and Mikey's not in it, and they win the tag team titles, and they walk into the locker room, and makes like, Raven, I'd like you to beat Mikey. This is my best friend in the world. We just won the tag team title. And Raven smacks Mick in the face, <laughs> and Mikey's just sitting there looking at Raven, and Raven doesn't have anything to say, and he turns around, and then Stevie Richards gets Mikey's face, and Mikey decks Stevie, and I'm like, Okay, so Mikey got balls now. Good. <laughs> he finally stood up to somebody, but it was Stevie Richards involved in <laughs> You know. But and then like Aaron was saying he was champion he was champion twice. They actually put him over Steve Austin the week before Austin debuted on Raw. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know? And I love the and I love that and I love the fact that like 
go back and watch that interview with Steve when he when Mikey wins or whatever. Yeah, like he's like, oh, you got lucky, son. And they were setting up for another match, and I don't think WWF was letting him like finish. His no, right, contract. But, so they would have liked to have done Mikey versus Austin one more time without the Sandman involvement. Probably. I just enjoyed Mikey because he was just like a innocent bystander. Until he went with James Mitchell. In this terrible <laughs> the later situation. Stuff. The later stuff with the with, with, was James Mitchell known as James Mitchell back then or the Sinister Minister? Yeah, the Sinister Minister Sinister. and Nigeria. Yeah, and he dyed his hair Mikey. red and all of a sudden yeah. like he's possessed by the devil and it's like, wow. Yeah, that, that's fun shit. Yeah, but to me, like, my favorite Mikey is just him being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. Right. How the fuck did I get into this? <laughs> Oops, roll up victory. Mikey wins. Like, what? I don't think Mikey lost a lot of matches at ECW. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the greatest thing about him is it wasn't just like, how do I get in this? He's like, how the fuck do I get out of this? How right. do I get out? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, Archie, who is next on your list? Um... Well, I think my list is now down to five people, thanks to Nate. Uh, <laughs> my next li- would number seven would be because I have to jump. Uh, is Rob Van Dam? All right, so uh, you you killed him off my list. He was number two on my list. Good, he wasn't on my list, list at all. Uh, Rob Van Dam. Uh, I remember seeing him in WCW as Rob Vandell or something. Our, a weird name. Robbie, Robbie V. Robbie, Robbie V. v. Yeah. And he always and, looked like he had blush on when he was yeah, in Yeah, his, his cheeks were bright red. And then he joins ECW, and I like Rob Van Dam. I did, however, not like Bill Alfonso. And when they joined up with him, and Bill Alfonso was annoying as fuck, but it, that was his job. <laughs> yeah. But Rob Van Dam. <laughs> fucking whistle? Yeah, that whistle was annoying as hell. <laughs> uh, it got worse when he went with Taz, too. That was even worse. But. Rob Van Dam, for me, was what an ECW mid-carder was supposed to be that just kept hitting the ceiling and didn't know how to break through. His matches were great, and he was a ECW TV champion for over a year. Yeah, and, and I guess I guess mine, my reason for ranking him two on my list was kind of, I guess to me, kind of opposite of what you just said, in that I find that I enjoyed Rob Van Dam in ECW. Yes. And there you go. To me, he was an ECW guy. Like WWE, any other promotion, he just never... But when it came to ECW and when he could do what he could do, unfettered, um, those, those early years, those ECW years were his best work. I enjoyed it. I didn't... I didn't mean it as a crack towards him, though. Oh, no, no, I know, I know, but I'm just saying that's why I, I, when I think of RVD, I don't think of WWE, I don't think of TNA, I don't think, I think of RVD and ECW. To me, he is one of their... His tag team with Sabu was phenomenal. Their match with Hayabusha and Jinzei Senzaki, who was Hakushi in WWF. Well, like you mentioned, like you mentioned, the matches with Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Those are the best mean? matches, you know, in, in the was, later years of ECW. Here's what I loved about him, though. Yeah, I'm going to be the I'm gonna be the devil's advocate. I enjoyed Rob Moore in WWE. Nah. I enjoyed, him more, I enjoyed him more in WWF. 
WWE, whatever you want to call it, because they scaled him back, and he had more of a wrestling match. Yeah, okay, six minutes, but. But that's not that's not why yeah, I, I want to watch. I'd much rather watch Rob Van Dam versus The Undertaker or Rob Van Dam versus Chris Jericho than Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn. I'll disagree strongly. I'll disagree, disagree as well. Okay. Strongly I'll disagree, disagree as well. See here, uh, the thing I like about cool. that. I don't mind being wrong every now and then. Um, my favorite thing about Rob. Why Van not Dam, be so wrong when it feels so right? So right. Um, <laughs> He made it cool to be in the mid-card. And what I mean by that is the mid-card for him wasn't actually the mid-card. He was the main event. Mm -hmm. The TV title was actually a little bit higher than the world title at that time. Because the champion, I forgot who the champion was during his one year of, of I think it was Shane. There were, there were a couple. It was Shabu Shane. And yeah, it, it Terry, flipped around you know, a little bit. Yeah, You know, but he made it like, wow, the TV title isn't just a TV title. It's actually a world title, too. And... He, he defended it whenever the hell he could against everybody. Sort yeah. of like Cody's doing with the TNT title on mm -hmm. AEW. So. It is funny. It is funny that by your miss by your misstep, you said the teeny TNT title. <laughs> it's teeny. It's a teeny little TNT title. My, Kyle? my favorite my favorite Rob Van Dam moments is probably when he was kind of like still a heel almost, mm -hmm. where he's like, "Hey, by me winning, I'm worth more money here." And more money ever, everywhere else. Like he had that he had that mentality of like I know I'm better than here. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you know, yeah. oh, it's only a moment of time before I go somewhere else. I'm talking taking when off. When he you know? when he was on on Raw for one week, and then he was on. He, they were about to put him on Nitro, and then he realized he couldn't do that. And it was like, wow, this guy is really going to play up this storyline. And Paul Heyman's letting him do it. I like this. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it was a nice crossover. Most definitely. Anything else on uh, on Mr. Van Dam? Nope. I always liked his name, too. Rob Van Dam. <laughs> no, his just gear, his all his around. His gear was fucking cool, too. His man. gear, yeah, those airbrushed. I mean, he, he Ryback must have called him after he got, you know, like, Rob Van Dam left. Like, hey, Rob, who do you use for an airbrusher? <laughs> I'm sure after... Uh, after, as we go down the list, we're going to start knocking each other's stuff off the oh, list. Yeah. So the, the second part of the list won't be as long. So I'll do my next one, and then we'll take our mid-show break. Sounds but good. Uh, next on my list, number number uh, eight on my list is Taz. Not on my list. No? I like Taz. Either. I like I, Taz, but I just felt like Taz should have left ECW a little sooner and maybe got to the WWE a little quicker. Or WCW. Here's my here's my thing about Taz and why I put him on the list. Because and and again I'm putting myself in that time frame right. in ninety six, ninety seven, et cetera, et cetera. Watching ECW and we've talked about a lot of things during this show that differentiated ECW from WWF and WCW. And to me this short badass little pit bull with an attitude that could actually pick a guy up. And again, again, this is something we had not seen before. Nope. I'm going to keep going to that. Nope. That could pick a guy up that was twice his size and suplex that son of a bitch on his head and not give a shit. Just to me, Taz at that time exuded something that 
he did never did exude in the WWE. No, he didn't have um, time to. No, and 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 let's be honest. In the back half of his career, he also became a great color commentator. But that's not yes. that's beside the point. His run in ECW, I think, I really. He's another guy like Van Dam. When I think of Taz as a wrestler, I most associate him with ECW because his character absolutely worked there and was over with me there. Definitely. He, he was, I think about Taz talking shit. Mm-hmm. He is the guy that if there's nobody else on these lists that exemplifies the fact of being covered by Paul Heyman's magic dust than yeah. Taz. He is the. He needed somebody like Paul Heyman to enhance his strengths. Exactly, accentuate his positives. Yes. And the minute yes. he got away from that, and he didn't have a Paul Heyman to, to you know cover up. I don't want to say his flaws, but fuck it, cover up his flaws. Once he didn't have yeah. Paul Heyman to do that, it, it just unfortunately. The, the problem becomes that, you know, as good as Taz was, there were so many other wrestlers that were better. And when you are in a cutthroat environment where people aren't trying to make you look good. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and that's why I say in my top 10 in ECW. Yeah, absolutely. He's in my top 10. If I'm if I'm ranking a top 100 in the WWE, he's not in the top 100. But, yeah, top 10 in ECW. Absolutely. Yeah. Because name, right. me, name me a feud that drove more money or was bigger hype than Sabu versus Sabu Taz. And Taz. Yeah, I mean, they actually they actually did the whole one year of feud without touching each other better than WCW did Hogan versus Sting. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know in my opinion, absolutely. So. All right, gents. Well, we're going to take our our break, our mid show break. We'll come back with, of course, our shameless plugs, and then we will finish our. Top 10 ECW here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, as we take our break here on episode 104 of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, just wanted to pop in here and mention that uh, I had put up in the Facebook group earlier um, for you guys to participate in the show and let us know who your favorite ECW stars were. We got some comments from uh, some listeners of the show. Uh, Ian Totten, um, listener of the show and an author, by the way. Ian said, Sabu, that's where I discovered him. And while eventually he did nothing but stunts, he had psychology and his wrestling ability at the start of his run. Watch his matches with Scorpio and Bam Bam Bigelow. I tend to agree with that. I think that you hit 93, 94, 95, Sabu. He was really good, and he became he became quite the shtick um, as far as that goes, as far as his hardcore stuff went. But overall, generally a great performer, and if you're talking again about run uh, running ECW, he was a name synonymous with ECW and helped put that company on the map. So good call, Ian. Ryan Damon, Terry Funk, Joey Styles, and Joel Gertner were who he brought up. Um, Joey and Terry, definitely. Uh, Gertner, I mean, you think of Gertner, he was he was an integral part of especially the the last few years of ECW uh, with a, with his act with the Dudleys. Um, really good stuff. They pushed the envelope. Um, again, one of those things that ECW did that was not seen before. And 
helped change the wrestling business. Our good friend of the show, Mr. Chad Austin, who actually wrestled in ECW, the only person on this show that ever actually wrestled. So I guess when he's on, it's not the We Can't Wrestle podcast. It's Nate Can't Wrestle, but Chad Can podcast. But anyway, Chad says Don E. Allen. And I'm going to have to elaborate sometime next time Chad's on the show about uh, about Don E. Allen. I don't think we've really talked about Allen before. Um He's one of those guys that was around, you know, around and always seemed like a good worker. But next time Chad's on the show, I'll ask him for some more specifics about Don E. Allen. Get some stories about that. So thank you guys for participating in the show, being a member of our Facebook group. We appreciate you. We appreciate your support. And now I'll bring the other guys back in here and we'll get back to uh, doing what we do here on the Weekend Wrestle Podcast our top 10 ECW stars continues. Hey, this is a national treasure and the real world's champion, Nick Aldis. And just when you thought that every possible wrestling podcast name in the world was taken, Nate comes in with a clinch with the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Based on Nate's unbelievable level of praise, For me, I would go ahead and say that Nate sounds like a knowledgeable, smart, trustworthy human being, and his expertise should be lauded and appreciated by all of the listeners of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. We are discussing our top 10 favorite ECW stars. But before we continue with our top 10, of course, since this is the beginning of the second part of the show, this is shameless plug time. And I would like to um, do a shameless plug to start the shameless plugs. We discussed Nancy Sullivan earlier, and we discussed, you know, we are going to talk about he whose name may not be named. However, what I do want to say is for those of you that are listeners of this show and the Motley Soup podcast, and the Asylum Wrestling Podcast, you were also hopefully aware by this point of Criminal Wind, which is the new podcast that my wife Kendall has launched where she discusses crazy crimes, serial killers, sick and twisted motherfuckers. Yeah, she drinks wine. About murder. And she does, I'll tell you guys, she does real work for this thing. She really researches these crimes and researches this stuff, so she has the facts. Next week on that show, actually, as a matter of fact, go subscribe to it and um, find it right now on Facebook. Listen to the first few episodes. But we recorded earlier this week an episode where she wanted me to be a special guest star where we actually discussed the Chris Benoit tragedy. I wish you that- brought me on to that. I would have loved to have been on that episode. I have so many different things I would have said. <laughs> that show will be coming out next week. So stay tuned. And again, the show is Criminal Wind. Um, she actually hosts it on Anchor. And then it is available on Spotify. It is available on most podcast apps. Um, but yes, check out Criminal Wind. Um, also, of course, the Motley Soup podcast. And let's talk about the groups. Let's talk about... Do if, we you're not part of the, if, you're not, if you're not part of the We Can't Wrestle podcast group, Aaron? Tell them why. Uh, if you're not part of the We Can't Wrestle podcast group, then you know, fuck I, you. You should be <laughs> <What>? there. 
Huh? I, don't, I might not be able to read. <laughs> I might not be able to read. The least I can pay attention. <laughs> if you don't chew big red gum, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, we're talking about The Asylum, who um, actually this week, actually by the time this show airs, it'll probably be over. But Diamond Dallas Page in The Virtual Asylum this week. And Mick Foley on August 29th will be in The Virtual Asylum. Go to The Asylum. Go to The Virtual Asylum, World Championship Customs, The Nerd Closet. Brother, go ahead. Aaron is getting his pen ready. He's he's doing focused. some very focused. Where to God if it's fucking mass transit? <laughs> you look like mass transit. That's fine. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> and I'm sure fucking. I'm sure. Uh, uh, New Jack would fucking cut my head open too. Fucking <laughs> bleed everywhere. So. Yeah, damn yeah, right he would. Like a disgusting thought. watermelon. Um, All right, Aaron, your number seven. Landstorm. Good pull. Good pull. Landstorm. Um, another guy that I will say probably had the best run of his career in that company. He was my number four. I loved Landstorm and ECW. Like, he was a guy that, when he was in it, was just like, oh, this shit's crazy. You know, like, oh, this shit's hardcore. It's all crazy. I'm going to be super sane right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a wrestler. Time to bring you, time to bring you hardcore motherfuckers back down to earth. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, and and look at my sexy bitch over here. <laughs> he is one of those guys that is the exact opposite of Taz, where I don't know what happened when he went to other places because he was so damn good. WCW put a rocket on his back early and just let him go when he won all three titles, but then it's like they just kind of fizzled on him. And they put him with the Misfits in action. And then when he got to WWE, it was like, okay, what are we going to do with Lance Storm? Um, let's make him dance in the middle of the ring. Yeah, I was going to say, the first the first probably year of Lance Storm in WWE was fine. You know, he, yeah. he served his purpose well. The Un-Americans, yes. that was fine. And then, you know, they got goofy with him and stupid and... and, and WCW, I think he suffered from, again, and I hate to say this, but he suffered from being a guy that was part of that Russo, not even necessarily Russo, he suffered from being the part of of a revolt. Because, you know, one booker would get something going with him, and then the next booker would come in and try something else. But focusing on his ECW run, the, the Impact players... Oh yeah, fantastic man! Landstorm and Don Marie together in ECW were fantastic. Now, I want I want to bring something up, and I've waited until you know this time to bring it up because it's a good point. 
Okay, that was uncalled for. I don't believe my sexual orientation needs to be brought up on, on the show. It's not anybody's business but my own. What I like to do with my butt and everything else. But uh, So, I, I'm sure all of us have seen Jericho versus Lance Storm at One Night Stand, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We all concisely say that's a pretty good match. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I remember watching it with my ex-girlfriend. And I was like, you got to watch this match. It's so good, so good. And about halfway through, she's like, it looks so choreographed. Hmm. And I'm, you know, and it always kind of stuck out to me. It's like, is that kind of the problem now, too, is that stuff looks so choreographed. Yeah. It looks like, I'm not saying this storm is bad or anything, but I'm saying the point is, is that especially with, you know, these high octane choreographed moves and stuff, it does. It looks like it looked. Yeah. It looks like it was a stunt scene as opposed to a wrestling match. Whereas an ECW is stuff in ECW. Oh, and let's not forget is not one of the greatest, <clears throat> excuse me, in the history of that company is not one of the greatest stories they ever told Lance storm and Chris Candido. Yes. Well, you know, they'd be grudging tag team championship partners. Yep. Like, so good. So good. I just, Lance I just, Storm said, Tommy Dreamer, like, like they were going to do this thing where Lance and Tommy were going to get tested for steroids. And Lance said, I don't think Tommy even knows a guy named Jim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a great fucking line. I don't even think Tommy knows a guy named Jim. I think the, and I don't mean to bring up the modern product, but I think like with Lance Storm and, and there, and then you know, as he got into WWE, is a telltale sign of what the issue is. Is that instead of it looking like a fight. Mm-hmm. Instead of it looking, you know, believable, it's became this, you know, like, oh, let's knock down, knock down, stalemate. Which is exactly the point. Like, you look at Lance Storm. If you look at Lance Storm and ECW, it looked like a wrestling match. And to what you said, then you get to Lance Storm and the WWE, it looks like dancing partners. And it shouldn't, it is that, but it shouldn't look like that. No, and I think it's interesting when we step back because, you know, we all love pro wrestling, and no matter what happens, we're going to watch pro wrestling. But it's interesting watching somebody who doesn't watch pro wrestling watch it and be like, you know, like, man, it just looks staged. It looks like a stunt show. Right, right. Like, wow, how did we get to this? (laughs) Exactly. Archie, who's next on your list? Uh, we just talked about him in a record with uh, cutting Kyle's head open. <laughs> Next on my list is a guy that, I'll be honest, he never was in WWE, was never in WCW. He was in a couple of outlaw federations, but New Jack is ECW to me. And New Jack was number three on my list. Um, let me say I, this. I left, him let, off my, I left him off my list because I wanted you guys to talk about let me say this about New Jack in the and and anybody who listens to this show knows that I've said it a million times. I think that 
You can look at New Jack as two things. You can look at New Jack as Abdullah the Butcher, as a guy that walks around and stabs people in the head and blah, blah, blah. But New Jack really, honest to God, had the fundamentals. Right. And became a good wrestler before he became what he became. And what he became was what he needed to be. Because I promise you this, those of you that are not familiar with the ECW product, were not fans back then, have not watched it yet, I dare you, in a hardcore situation, to watch a guy that you watch on TV and believe this motherfucker is 100% real. And that's what we were just talking about, about the choreographed and et cetera. New Jack... New Jack, his character would scare the fuck out of you. Well, that's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that guy. Why? There's no fake in that guy. There's I, no fake. I didn't he, watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling with New when New Jack was in it. Have, with have you Jim ever Cornette. seen those? Have you ever seen those now, promos yeah. he cut in front of those oh, fucking cool. hillbillies? He was a racial-driven motherfucker. That that man walked out and went, "Hey Juice, I got your back." Like he was yeah, supporting to do Simpson. to do that in front but, of that crowd. But I didn't takes the greatest ball there and say, "Like <laughs> good job, Juice, you got two of them." Right, two right. Like, Jesus Christ! You know, and that was Jim Cornette telling him to say that because he knew it would get over. Oh, mm-hmm. but yeah, and it did. I and, never saw that before I got to him. You know, I wouldn't wasn't exposed to that, so I was watching ECW one day and. These two guys jumped the railing and beat the fuck out of the public enemy. Yeah. And I'm like, are those those fans? I'm like, are those, did the fans finally freak out in the ECW arena? And then I come to find out a week later their name, what their names were, Mustafa, Saeed, and New Jack. And they were a tag team. And then, okay, wars with the Dudleys, wars with public enemy. Mm -hmm. But then, honest to God, wrestling matches with the Eliminators. Yeah, not just yeah. a hardcore knockdown drag out match. And no, they were fighting. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and I guess we'll just segue that. We'll segue that real quick, and we can keep talking about New Jack. But that is honest to God. New Jack was number three on my list. Number, excuse me, number seven on my list is the Eliminators. And I agree with you. Um, they were. I, I was never a big Saturn fan in WCW. I was never a big Saturn fan in the WWF, but as a tag team with John Kronos, and especially I, okay. their program with the Gangstas. This is what I'm going to say here. WCW, everyone should have realized how stupid WCW was when they pulled Saturn in and didn't bring Kronos with him. Yeah. Because John Kronos may have been 350 pounds, but that some bitch could move. Yeah, I'm right. He and, could. <laughs> and he did things that uh, you could say Hugh Morris was the first guy to do a moonsault. John Cronus was the first 350 guy doing a 450 splash mm-hmm. and, and a split legged moonsault. You know what and I mean? Without, and real quick, before we move on to the Eliminators and everything else, I do want to say, like with New Jack, he is one of those guys, if you go back and watch ECW, as extreme, as hardcore, and as bloodthirsty as those fans are. There is many times that you watch them when New Jack comes out, and it's like, oh, geez. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Damn. Right. Grab the Eliminators. Huh? Grab the Eliminators. I did. They're, next they're, 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 they're number seven on my list. But, like, uh, 
when he, I mean, yeah, Abdullah the Butcher, you know, made an art out of pulling a fork out and stabbing somebody, but that was in the forehead. New Jack used to go for the guy's eye mm-hmm. and his mouth, and but, the cheese and like, grater, you know. When the duel with the butcher, you knew it was an act. You're like, oh, okay. Right. Like, he ain't done. Right. like with New Jack, it's like, you fucking mouth off to him wrong, and you're in the crowd. He's going to come fucking after you. Mm-hmm. Aaron said well, it, mass transit. You know, and, that, that, all yeah. that kid said was, could I get a move on you? And, you know and, I mean? and to that, before we move from Jack to the Eliminators, and like I said, it's all kind of one conversation. But right. There are going to be people that listen to this show and say, well, Nate shits on Combat Zone Wrestling because they do garbage wrestling and blah, blah, blah. Okay, now hear me out. First of all, what those guys do is careless and stupid and also unoriginal at this point. When When New Jack was stapling dollar bills to somebody's head... Or when New Jack was doing anything he did with the, anything out of that fucking shopping Shoving cart. Shoving a Nintendo up a guy's ass. Yes. <laughs> First of all, it was at that time innovative. Right. Secondly, <laughs> I never felt I never felt with New Jack, like what I was watching was just those guys. Him, <clears throat> I never felt like with New Jack it was guys setting up a move to decapitate themselves right. on purpose. Right. I felt like it was fucking real because right. he is real. He's he, he really died. The Nintendo 64 and here's, the and yes. here's, the, here's the other thing. Anybody in Combat Zone Wrestling? <laughs> it's a me, Mario. <laughs> everybody in the Combat Zone Wrestling, here's the thing. All we got to do is fuck call you a snowflake, and you're going to fucking cry like a bitch. We're not going to say anything <laughs> bad about New Jack, this, that motherfucker will stab us. Right. <laughs> to this day, you'll Without stab a us. second thought. And but he see, will fucking was, laugh at us. Hey, guys. Thing, though. Hey, yeah. guys, just for the record, if we ever land New Jack as a guest... Greatest Run. guest ever. ever. Just keep saying it. Right, exactly. <laughs> now, see, this is my problem with Dan Combat Austin's Zone. The greatest guest ever. Yes. This is my problem with Combat Zone Wrestling and XWF and all those, you know, Rob Black when he did his bullshit <laughs> and all that. ECW died because Paul Heyman was a bad businessman. But Paul Heyman made sure that his people were safe. They were tested for diseases. They were made sure that no one tried to kill each other unless their name was Mass Transit. Rob Black and the guy who owns Combat Zone Wrestling, I think his name is DJ Hyde or something. Some shit. Those motherfuckers (laughs) stole all the bad parts of ECW and just said, here. Yeah. You know, we don't want to see an entire match of a guy taking a fork to somebody's head. We actually want to see a wrestling match that leads to that point. And that's where we'll we'll just really quick segue into the Eliminators. Somebody's limit. Somebody nope. put a comedy. Somebody put a Commodore sixty four up somebody's butthole. Cronus, <laughs> <laughs> Cronus, and, and, and he was like, Cronus <laughs> <laughs> and Saturn were unbelievable. The Eliminators, yes, an amazing tag team. And, and Aaron, I don't know if you heard it or not, but I said. Saturn never really over with me in WCW. Never really over me with me in WWF. Oh, Saturn in WCW is cool as shit, man. Well, we'll we'll talk about that on another show sometime. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. You. It was cool. Think about but, it. Is it or is it not staying in your mind on WWF Raw when ECW invades, and here comes, you know, 
Saturn and Kronos and they fucking take out the announcer and you're just like, yeah. what the fuck just happened? Like, <laughs> yep. That was a lot of people's first introduction in the ECW. What a way to make an impact. Yeah. Right. Saturn, there's Saturn a reason for it. ECW is cool. I don't care what but, Kyle says. And those gangsta or the, yeah, those gangsta eliminator matches are some of the best. At, I'm not always a huge fan of hardcore wrestling because of the stuff we just talked about. Just it's choreographed, it's it's dangerous, it's but I mean those gangster eliminators matches, you watch those and they are enthralling because those guys were all guys that did that but could actually work. So you had a wrestling match with that stuff integrated into it. That's what that's that's where Okay, Nate, sorry. Shut up, but I need to. This is where, like, the ECW thing bugs me. Like, people are like, oh, ECW doesn't hold up anymore. It's like, ECW still holds up because the guys involved in ECW, they might have been hardcore and they might have been like, oh, I'll hit you with a fucking cookie sheet or I'll hit you with a goddamn trash can. They were still wrestlers. Like most of them. And they did it and they did it as a it was entertain the crowd. It wasn't right. Look, I'm gonna tell you something right now. On our top ten list, even on a top hundred list, even though the play wasn't hundred wrestlers in ECW at any time, but you're never gonna see we're not glorifying fucking Ian and Axel Rotten. Right. Nah. There's no, see, fucking I'll even, I'll even There's no fucking art in fucking taping your fist up with fucking glass and punching each other. Right. Like, I'll knock Ian and Axel Rotten, but at least they were fucking professional wrestlers. Or goddamn fucking... Yeah, they were... Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. They were... Wrestlers, like... Fucking okay. I hate. I, I I've gone on record saying that I don't like Public Enemy, but Rocco Rock was a fucking professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Right. Kenny yeah, Omega but, is not a professional wrestler. No, he's a he's he's a, he's a piece of shit. Hey, he's a ballet artist. I'll give him that. I mean, he can he's he can jazz shit. hands. He can flip and flop. He's he can fly. Um, but, I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't. Okay, I would Rock never. Kyle. Wrestler. Kyle. Johnny I would Grunt, never. Professional wrestler. Kyle. New Jack. Jerome Young is a professional wrestler. Jerome Young stabs people, does whatever he does, but at the end of the day, he can say, "I got trained, and I worked with." The Rock and Roll Express. You know what I mean? Right. So, Jerome Young is a professional fucking wrestler. But Kenny Omega is not. So, it's safe and, to say we're not getting fallen angel tattoos, uh, one winged angel tattoos matching? No. But, no. Nate, just said I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is fucking. Tom Pritchard, New Jack, fucking all these guys, they're fucking wrestlers. And the people you see on your TV now are not. 
So, if any of you wrestling fans are out there watching it now, just fuck yourselves. Okay. Nate, what were you trying to say? Before we went to Aaron's next one on the list, I was just going to say I resent you a little right now, Kyle. Why is that? Because you used the words Kenny Omega and entertain in the same sentence. Uh, well, you well, called him a sports entertainer. He is he is a cosplayer. He is a is he not, is he ramen noodle head having jazz hands flicking. But is he not the very definition of a sports entertainer compared no, to No, Hulk wrestler? Hogan. Hulk Hogan is the definition of a sports entertainer. No, no I consider Hulk Hogan a Kenny pro Omega, Kenny Omega is a guy pretending to wrestle but in actuality he's he is closer to Breshnikov who is a ballet artist than he is to Luthez. Can I say my next See, I never, guy? Can I interject a for a second? Go one, ahead, Kyle. One, one second, Aaron. Go ahead, Kyle. And I get what you're saying, Nate. I really truly He's do. awful. Like, he's fucking awful. I understand he is awful. But but here's the thing though. I I don't consider I don't consider Kevin Owens a sports entertainer. I don't consider Hulk Hogan a sports entertainer. I consider those pro wrestlers. Okay. This, this okay. New age, okay. This new age of okay. Orange Cassidy, they you are just entertainers. Turned, you just turned my shit around on me. You're right. Okay, they're I got sports, you. They're sports <laughs> entertainers. Because the way I look thing. at... Here's how I look at Kenny Omega. I want to tell you guys a little story, and then we'll move on to Aaron's next... He left anyway, so... But, how did we go to? How did we go from ECW to Kenny Omega? Because Kyle brought up Kenny Omega, and it's his fault. Blame him. But okay. here, listen. My favorite car I ever owned. Okay, and any 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 kids that are out there now that are listening that are like twenty are going to be like this this old guy. But shut up, you stupid kids. <laughs> In 1996, I had a beautiful Chrysler LeBaron with tinted windows. And a digital dash and a CD player. And, oh, that that thing was a sexy fucking beast. It had leather interior and boot and (laughs) and all this. Kenny Omega would essentially be the guy that would climb up on top of that beautiful LeBaron and take a big shit on that LeBaron. Right. And then dance around. Just because, just because, just because he's had matches with pro wrestlers like over in New Japan. Okada, who carried him, who carried him to good matches. I will never say the Omega Okada matches weren't exciting. They were. But you had a pro wrestler in there. Yes. Against the sports entertainer. And that is the biggest difference between the two is that (laughs) when instead of it actually being. And I don't care what Vince McMahon calls it. He can call it sports entertainment all he wants and everything else. To me, th- th- you are a pro wrestler. It is a wrestling ring. It's WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. This new age sports entertainment, that is my definition of these new age wrestlers. Guys like Orange Cassidy. Guys like Kenny Omega. Like They're not pro wrestlers. Chuck they Taylor. don't know how to have a wrestling match. Chuck all Taylor. they know how to do, yes. All they know how to do is do flip floppy shit. Mm-hmm. It, they don't know how to have a wrestling match. That is the thing, because they were raised on this era of stunts. Yeah, 
they looked at the Hardy Boys and went like, oh, well, I'm just going to take all the big moments out of that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. do it. That, that is, well, that's, my, that's my problem. And Omega doesn't even do that well because he's so herky-jerky. And, yeah. and, like, I watch his matches, and essentially the word I think of is schizophrenic. Like, his matches are schizophrenic. <laughs> um, and And I know we're getting off topic here, folks, but it's... We don't have our modern product show anymore because I canceled that shit. <laughs> so I guess every once in a while now you have to listen to this. But it's just he's herky jerky. He's it's it's just not. I don't I don't watch Kenny Omega and at any time at any point. Okay, the the beauty of pro wrestling. If you grew up as a pro wrestling fan in the eighties, nineties, we're not seventies kids. Those guys would say we're out of touch. We don't know what real wrestling is, but God damn it, it's all about when you grew up. But the epitome of, uh, if you're watching pro wrestling when you're a kid or a teenager or in your formidable years, even if you know that it might be staged, it at least looks like a fight. A Kenny Omega match looks like he literally planned it out this morning for 45 minutes with his partner. And they're going to go out there and they're going to put on a beautiful performance so we all have a good time and have lots of fun watching them flip around and jerk each other off in the middle of the fucking ring like a bunch of fucking idiots. Hence, it's they're here to terrible. entertain you. They're here to yes. entertain you. We're here to entertain you. No, there's, there's no fight here. There's no animosity. Heck, half the time they hug. Fucking John Moxley hugged what's-his-name, uh... Darby Allen after they had their little fight. The only time we had our little fight. Wrestling. I'm a hardcore. I'm a hard. I'm the the modern Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I'm going to give you a little huggy poo after really? we have our match. There, Darby. Are the you okay? Time, the Here's you some hug. Pez, Darby. You want some Pez? You fucking skater Ladies fag. And gentlemen, Oops. Here's the, thing. Lady, lady. the only time that you hug somebody in pro wrestling is when you're about to fucking det them. You have to <laughs> yes, turn or suplex Ladies. them like the Pez. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, notice I haven't said like anything in this conversation. <laughs> Archie's like, Jesus Christ, notice, on one. Notice I haven't <laughs> said anything because I, out of the entire group, am a, am a Kenny Omega fan. Yes, he is. And we do not hate Archie for that. We include Archie because we are all inclusive here. I, right. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. I will say this. I'm going to play the... I'm going to play... The Devil's Advocate. I get the appeal for some people with Kenny Omega. I yes, get it. I'm glad you he's do. Not, he's not my. He's not my cup of tea. Again, it's it comes down he's to not chocolate my cup and of vanilla. Poop. It comes down to chocolate and vanilla. Do you like chocolate? Fine. I like vanilla. The problem is the problem is with pro wrestling today is that nobody likes pistachio. No, that chocolate. Is I do its way into the vanilla. <laughs> Good one, Arch. No, no. That the, chocolate see, is this is where I will interject. This is the problem. There have always through through wrestling. It's always been: Are you chocolate? Are you vanilla? In this day and age, over the last five years, there's other flavors introduced, and. Not every fan wants to admit that they like that flavor or they don't like that flavor and they toss it aside. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But as we always preach at the ending of every episode, if you like wrestling, like what you like. Don't be upset about it. Don't let anybody tell you differently. And I'm not saying Kyle is. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, it's there are Kenny Omega and Okada for me was one of the best wrestling matches I've seen in 10 years. You guys, all right. 
I never say Archie. I, I always I will attack Kenny Omega because, like you said, it's about it, people can like whatever they want to like. I will never say Archie Mitchell is a piece of shit because he likes Kenny Omega. Hey, hey. You know what I'm? No, do you know what I'm saying though? Like I will say I hate Kenny Omega. Here's why I hate Kenny Omega. And I understand. And I'll let that go. If you love him, you. Lo- I know you don't love him, but you know what I mean. If you're a fan, well, I mean, you're I know a fan. He goes both and, ways here's... and all, but I'm not gonna, you know, try. I'm his <laughs> boyfriend, but I like him. The guy's cool. When I you say know? when I say the chocolate is bleeding over into the vanilla, what I mean is like, okay, so like in WCW, if you didn't like Lucha Libre, fine, cool. There's maybe two matches that you you didn't have to watch. Mm-hmm. The problem is now, especially like with Kenny Omega and stuff, like. On AEW, if, if Kenny Omega's stuff is, is to itself, great, cool, awesome. But the problem is his style of wrestling is bleeding over to everything else. And he is almost in every segment. I will agree with that on and, AEW. And that's, and that's the problem because now you have guys like Orange Cassidy that are doing, you know, the stuff that, you know, like Kenny Omega does. And the problem where it used to be, you know, it's like, okay, well, I never saw Steve Austin versus The Rock, and they were doing the choppy, choppy PP thing. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if that was the case? Because that's kind of where we're getting to now. Right. Where it's, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the choppy, choppy PP thing. Like if that's what you like, that's cool. That's great. But the problem is, it's almost bleeding over into everything now. You're right about right. that. I will agree with that. And. It it becomes I, I don't ever I, my problem is I don't want wrestling to ever become a mockery of what it once was exactly I don't want it almost seems and and, and that's the beauty of and I hate to say this and and it, I know there were people out there I actually got messages from some of our viewers that why did you end the live show why well, didn't end the live show we're still going to do it when there's a lot of shit to talk about but my problem was. I found myself, as we were doing that live show, I felt obligated to watch every show from beginning to end, skipping nothing, because I felt obligated to my listeners and my viewers to review the show. However, I also felt myself hate-watching a product that I want to love because I'm a wrestling fan. So now the beauty of it is... And Archie, the beauty of this is you can watch any Kenny Omega match you want and enjoy it and I and more power to you. I never have to watch one of his matches ever again in my life and I can go on. I'm so happy now. Two things. First, I've 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 acknowledged that it's sports entertainment and not wrestling. And second, I don't have to watch anybody I don't like ever again for any reason. I am a fan again because I just watch what I want to watch. But when I watch Raw, I, when I watch Raw, I skip the Street Profits. But I watch Orton and I watch McIntyre, and I'm happy because they're good. And then I but skip the you, Street Profits because I don't have to jump out the fucking window. But now you forced my hand that I have to now daily send you a Kenny Omega mask <laughs> under, match under the guys. Of it looking like a Hulk Hogan Ric Flair match. <laughs> so I've got some editing to do and sending you these things through Messenger. Well, because I love you, brother, I will accept it. 
<laughs> Aaron, right, we move Aaron. on. Aaron, it is your your turn next, brother. That's- I mean, you've been you've been here playing fucking music for a half an hour. You can't show up and give me a number on the countdown. Aaron's like, I don't even know what show I'm on anymore. Which, which <laughs> podcast are we doing? Yeah. What's your next on your list? On my ECW list? No, on your Kenny Omega hatred list. Ramen noodles. Ramen noodles. <laughs> <laughs> no, on your ECW list, yeah. On my ECW list is Chris Candido. Oh, you took one of mine. He was actually next on my list. I made mention earlier of the Chris Candido Lance Storm storyline with the tag titles. You talk about the triple threat. You t- well, Aaron, I'm going to let you elaborate. It's your pick. Yep. <laughs> Lance and Chris were fantastic together yes. as a tag team. And the angle with them was that they were a tag team that did not want to be together and even though they didn't want to be together, they were still like fluid together. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they were fantastic together. They didn't want to be together, but they were great. And I just think I know I mentioned Lance but Chris Candido in ECW was fantastic oh by far by far you think about in a world of pro wrestling where everybody is larger than life personalities Chris Candido was that guy that wasn't really a larger than life personality but he could project that out. In the ring, yes. Yeah. And I think that's his testament. That's, I think, what he meant by no gimmicks needed. He didn't mean he didn't have a gimmick. He meant, I don't have to do a flashy match. I could just have a wrestling match in this ring, and you're going to love me for it. Right. People and did. Think, and think about that. Like I said, the fact is that it, think of all the big personalities around at that time, and he was still able to cut through. Yep. And Chris Candido, Chris Candido in ECW still had probably the best match. Like, like if if there were ten matches on the card, okay, Chris probably had the fifth best match on it. Like Chris Candido, was if standing. not higher. If not higher, as far as right. a bell to bell wrestling match goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My um, one problem, I wish I, which I, I wish they would have done um, when the, they were, he was in the triple threat with Douglas and Bam Bam. They pushed Bam Bam. And look, I love Bam Bam Bigelow, Jersey native and one of the best big men in the world. But mm-hmm. I would have liked for Chris to maybe have stepped up in that role because had Chris won the ECW world title, it might have, like, jolted him into a bigger atmosphere, you know what I mean? Right. He never got, he didn't get the push in w, in, in WWF because he was Skip and Zip and the Body Donners. Well, and he, to be honest, and I'm not trying to cut you off, but to be no, honest, no. It, the time that he was in the WWF, right. there, were, there were two things working against him. Mm-hmm. One, one 
was that was still the big man time. Yes. That was bef- that was when Vince was still doubting Brett, still mm-hmm. doubting Sean. Right. And he put the title on Diesel and et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then by the time Vince had moved on to, okay, I can have smaller champions, I can have smaller top guys and Sean and Brett, by that time, and I don't mind, I don't, I don't have any connection to the woman, I don't know. By that time, his wife Tammy or was girl, over. well, and not just that, but Tammy was whoring around the locker room. Right, and, and sees that as a sign of weakness if your girlfriend or wife whores around the locker room and you know yeah, about spe- it, don't say yeah, anything. You're letting my you're letting my main event guys fuck your girl, pal. Even if he wasn't letting them, even if he wasn't letting them, per se. Right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't like a cuck situation or anything. No, no. Just the fact that it was going on to Vince or whoever showed weakness, and it just she she kind of fucked him over. I mean, let's be honest. She She really did. Mention the fact that she's fucking one of the top stars. Right, and Shawn best Michaels. friends, according to her, she's best friends with Bret Hart, so she's best friends with one of the other top stars. Yeah, well, you know, I, you know what I've got to say that I think that if they were... No, I think friends. so, yeah. yeah, I but, think so. But, she, she, but she admits she was with Davey Boy, though. She mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Buddy, but still, yeah, uh, I think the best... She's never going to stay out of jail long enough to be on this show, so we don't have to be nice. Right. All right she's a um, fucking dirty whore. I, so. I, 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 <laughs> I think I'm not <laughs> I think. Yeah. He, oh yes. Well, I was just talking. Fucking dirty whore, and Aaron was like, "Tammy." <laughs> I was just. Ta- I was just talking about how how literally her her machinations and her bullshit behind the scenes kind of fucked Chris over in the WWF because it also did in WCW too. Yeah. By the time you know? by the time Vince said, "Oh, I'm okay. I can go with smaller guys." Then by that time, he looked like a he, not that he was. But she made him look like a fucking wimp and a piece of shit because of right. all the fucking whoring around and shit she was I doing. He should have stood up for himself. And I think yes. the yeah. problem, too, with Chris Candido and, and any, uh, too, was the fact that he suffered from that, like, oh, well, we'll eventually get to you. Like, your time's coming down the road. Yeah. Down and what road, motherfucker? But yeah. see, the problem <laughs> is that for long, you get passed by. And I mm-hmm. think that's what happened with Chris Candido is, is that. Well, that's why I say ECW being the land. Look, ECW did not mince words. They knew they were the land of misfit toys. It was where everybody went either to finish their career or to find the the passion that they lost in one of the big companies. Yep. And I think that if they would have put the world title on Chris Candido, it would have been that feel good moment that he needed. So mm-hmm. when he got to WCW, he might have said, OK, I'm ready to be about me now. Not about Tammy. Right. Because yep. Yep. she walked into that company a couple of weeks after he did, and she was overweight. Sorry, Tammy. I still love you. And she was a, looked like a, a you know raging alcoholic, and supposedly she dropped a, 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 a syringe in the bathroom, and someone dimed her out. She got fired, so they were like, you know what, Chris, you're going too in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, you, hey, you, know what? you know what the new syringe is? What? A, a video game controller? Oh, that was a video game controller. Oh, it's a mask. Like you know what? Like when you walk outside and you just like see a mask on the yeah. Sidewalk, yep, you're like, you're mm-hmm. that, makes, that makes no sense. It's like, why did you discard your mask on my lawn? You know what I mean? <laughs> Here, here's the like, like you like, got a kid with you, and they're gonna go like pick up the mask. Like, Don't pick up that mask, right? 
Like in the nineties, in the nineties, it was like, oh, don't, don't pick up that syringe. Yeah, like don't, don't pick up that syringe. That's probably got heroin in it. <laughs> now it's like, don't pick up that mask. Oh, somebody might have burped on it. Nope. You, know, <laughs> you know, Tammy, in the 90s, I used to think she was super attractive. Oh, yeah. But now hearing everything about her, it's like, no, nah, you're just an ugly fucking whore. Like, <laughs> nothing, no redeemed qualities about you. Like, it, it just, Kyle and it, I would still hit it, though, if she let us. You know, I probably that, wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, no, no where I that's been. You would if I told you you had to. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, okay. Well, like you <laughs> shotgun blast looking green. Like, I would, I'd have penicillin and antibiotic waiting outside, I promise. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if gross. I give myself that much. <laughs> All right, Archie, am I next? Yes, you are, sir. All right. Um, he hasn't been mentioned yet. And from Scotty Flamingo to Johnny Polo, he was very forgettable. But as Raven... He made a career for himself. My number one. Well, you my took number my one. number one and I number two, so I had to do it back <laughs> to you. I, I just, you know, I remember Stevie Richards cutting that promo saying, I'm going to bring back Johnny Hotbody and I'm going to bring back Johnny mm-hmm. Polo. And then this guy walks out weeks later, DDT's Tommy Dreamer, throws his hands up in a, in a crucifixion seat. Yes. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? It- and then... Stevie cuts the promo. This isn't Johnny Hotbody. This isn't Scotty Flamingo. This is Raven. I'm like, Jesus, that's Scotty Flamingo? <laughs> yes. A it was like, complete wow. transformation. Yes. I was like, wow. Like, is it is it is it or is it not crazy? And 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 I'll I'll, I'll elaborate a lot more on on Scott Levy here in a second, but one of just to what you were saying, Archie, is not one of the most amazing things about that is you look at Scotty Flamingo, yep, and and Johnny Hotbody, yep. and all those all the whatever you know whatever the, yeah. the gimmicks were. John or Scotty Flamingo, Johnny Polo um, as a manager. Yes, is it not insane that just by doing that gimmick and the way he projected himself, he looked bigger, bigger, better, and everybody yes. wanted him after that because WCW and WWF was like. Can we sign Raven? And Paul's like, no, I got this guy. Fuck and me. then they they had no idea how to work with him. But right, right. Well, speaking WCW of ECW, the re- ECW did, but Goldberg was like just too big for him. ECW, yeah. on the other hand, knew how to book Raven. Make him, <coughs> make him. He is. He is know. not only my number one on my list, my favorite <laughs> ECW star. Everything he was ever involved in in ECW was over with me. Yes. Um, he has. He is, and anybody that listens to the show or knows me knows he's one of my favorite of all time. He is to me. Scott Levy is on the level of a a Kevin Sullivan or a Jake and, Roberts or a Randy Orton. Uh, as far yeah, as that's like, what I was going to say. He was a grittier. Nine. He was a grittier Jake Roberts when I saw him for the first time. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. he's what Jake the Snake should have evolved to eventually. Right. You know, and like what Aaron just said, you hear this man talk because you see him as Raven. and You're like, OK, he's a degenerate drug addict or an alcoholic or whatever. But mm-hmm. then you hear this man talk about the business and you're like, wow, he actually knows shit. He's a genius. Oh, God, yes. 
He's yeah. a, he's a certified genius. You he, know, he should have been, and he is. He is almost in the class of Jake, because yes. if it wasn't for his demons, he could he could be writing WWE right now, and maybe well, we'd have a better product. Supposedly, Vince handed him the book when he was Johnny Bolo. And he got pressured out and said, I can't do this. I either want to wrestle or manage. So he went and did mm-hmm. color commentary for like a month. And then he said, I can't do this either. And he walked out. Well, they had so, him writing. They had him writing like mania or some shit. Right. Like, right. But in ECW, maybe he, he uh, is my fa- he man. is my favorite ECW star. Definitely. Hands down. My favorite. Definitely. Levy did this thing. Scott Levy said that. He was like recording Mania, and then he told the WWE that he was recording something else. Something else. And then they'd pay him to just right. <laughs> there right. you go. <laughs> but like the Raven character, the. And again, for those of you, fantastic. I, I always say this for younger listeners because we have younger listeners of the show. Like, and I'm going to mention somebody. I'm going to mention somebody that that I, I communicate as one of our listeners, and Archie knows who he is. Matt Perez. Uh, he's in the asylum. He's in the yep. We Can't Wrestle group. He's Matt is a younger fan, and a few months ago, I think it was yeah, maybe about four, five, four yeah. or five months ago. I, I was talking to Matt about old school stuff in the 90s and blah, blah, blah. And I told him, dude, just go back through the WWE Network and watch Raw from like 94 on or something, 96 on. And he had, I mean, he'd never, he'd never experienced the product. Right. And now I get messages from time to time, like, "Dude, I'm in this. I'm in this era. I'm in this month, mm-hmm. and this is fucking great." And blah blah. It's so much better than what yep. it is now. And and that's what I'm saying to younger fans that listen to the show. You may look at the Raven introduction to ECW or 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 the Raven character and go, "Well, that's a little like you know, it's a little passe." Or at that time, he was he was everything he had to be because he it, walked in as the Seattle. Yeah, you know, in the era, yeah, exactly. Guy. In the era of angst and grunge right. and but then he wasn't really because he would he just dressed like that. When Raven told the story though, like I legitimately believed that him, Tommy, and Beulah all went to summer camp with each other up until like three years after the whole thing played its course. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, he him and Tommy Dreamer knew each other. That's not hard to believe. Right. Scotty was from New York New Jersey and, and Tommy was from New York, so it's not that hard to believe. He made you believe what he was saying, but then also made you hate him and then love him all over again yeah. at the end of the night. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? It was like, you're, mm-hmm. man, you're, you're messing Tommy up. Stop. Because I was a Tommy Dreamer fan. I was like, damn, leave Tommy alone. But mm-hmm. then he would do something at the end of the match, and I'd go, wow. Okay, tell me more. I want, I'm waiting for next week. And see, that was what was ECW as a whole. It would, They left. You remember the old Batman show? With Adam yeah. West. Oh yeah, same I have the time, same bat t- channel. Well, let me reach back here and grab my DVD set. Yeah, I've okay. got that shit. <laughs> okay, ECW used to end their show with like a ten minute 
raffle off of everything that was going yeah. on. Pul- the Pulp Fiction. Right. That's what they called right. it. Because they used, yeah, they used right. the, the, the Pulp Fiction team. And it made you get jumpy for next week. Because mm-hmm. you were like, okay, they're going to show me what happened at CyberSlam next week. They're going to show me what happened at Barely Legal. And I ain't watching the pay-per-view, but I can watch and see what's going to happen. And then you'd be sitting there. And here would come Friday night or whatever night of the week it was on for you. You'd put on the channel and the red letters would come on and Joey Styles would be like, hello, everyone. Welcome. And I would be like, yes, tell me. Tell me. And would, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Raw and SmackDown were doing that too, but they were doing it in a very lackluster way where ECW was making you go, okay, I'm tuning in. I don't right. need to record this. I'm watching this tonight. You know? Yes. So, so the next on my list, guys... Is Eddie Gilbert? Eddie Gilbert is fantastic, unbelievable. For ECW, like we talked, we were talking earlier about Funk and and uh, and and Douglas. For those original years before they became Extreme Championship Wrestling, Eddie Gilbert was one of those veterans that was there. Yep. And that whole King of Philadelphia gimmick, you know, I mean, yeah, he kind of he kind of piggybacked off of Lawler being the King of Memphis and all that. In the mocking kind of way. Yes. And uh, those videos with him and Jay Sully going around Philadelphia and going to the restaurants and and then him and the original, you know, Paulie's Dangerous Alliance and ECW with Snuka and all that. Eddie Gilbert was a fantastic worker. And I know we've, we've brought up Chad Austin a few times because he's our boy. But, you know, also Chad Austin's idol and mentor and... So sad, so sad that he did not get to be around longer than he was. But as far as those early days of ECW, I don't think anybody can deny Eddie Gilbert as the driving force Eddie, in that company. Eddie Gilbert in any company, whether it was NWA or GWF and ECW, he added to that company. Um, and you mentioned him being in the Dangerous Alliance. And then him building his own brand of Hot Stuff Incorporated and bringing, you know, over mercenaries. And mm-hmm. it was it watching older ECW as Eastern Championship Wrestling with Eddie Gilbert. The man could cut a promo like nobody else at that day and time. Yep. He was a, he was ahead of his time and he was he was great to watch. And much like Raven, like we mentioned earlier, just a master of wrestling psychology. Yep. Yep. And how wrestling works, and how you be a heel, and how you yep. just in general, Eddie, fantastic, Aaron. I know you love Eddie Gilbert, and uh, if you want to elaborate on any more about Eddie, no, no, okay. So Archie said his list is up. I still have two left. How many do you have left, Aaron? Two. All right. So what's next? Who's next? Jason, sexiest man on earth. Jason was Jason was a driving force in ECW because he was that. And let's not let's not downplay. And nobody, I don't think anybody has him on their list. But let's not downplay Joey Styles as far as ECW goes. When he was his, oh, Joey's the next guy on my list. Well, is he number one on your list? Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll just bun- we'll bundle up Jason and 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 uh, Joey here. I was going to bring up Joey just because Joey 
Joey was so good at getting the gimmicks over and so good at getting the stars over, and his he whole would, thing about Jason giving him hives. Yeah. He would, what do you ask him? What's that cologne you're wearing? And it's like, you know, he would start to itch and <laughs> so good. But Jason, like, I don't think that guy gets enough love. Like, he definitely doesn't get the credit he deserves. I think Jason, the sexiest man on earth, is fantastic. And his character, and he was the character in Eastern Championship Wrestling that stayed the entire fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like, all the way through fucking Chad Austin, the Pitbulls, and fucking was Rock it- and Power. Wasn't he the reason the Pitbulls came in? Didn't he bring them in as his like mercenary tag team? Yeah. The first Pitbull yeah. number one, yes. And then he also introduced Pitbull number two. But yeah, he he he, he was the he was the manager of Pitbull number one before there was even right. before there was even a Pitbull number two. Right. And then they um, brought in Malenko. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the, the antagonist for Francine joining ECW because she was trying to help the Pitbulls get away from it. You know, I mean. Jason is like ECW all the way. He was fucking great. I, com- I, I compared I compared Tommy Dreamer to Lawler in Memphis in ECW. And I would say the same thing about Jason being like Jimmy Hart in Memphis. Yep. You know. Yep. The the antagonist, shitty little heel manager. Now, granted, Jason wrestled too, but uh, and he I mean, wasn't a bad wrestler. He was not. He was a world no, television champion, no. and he actually got in his moves. Um, when he would the promos, he would cut when he would start out. With, so, what do you think of my new suit? And he was always wearing these ugly ass boxy <laughs> shoulder, one button French cut suit, and it was like, dude, you look horrible. I remember I remember our first interview with Chad Austin on the show and I said so I know you worked with Jason what were your memories of working with him and Chad Chad Austin's comment was well he had a nice suit (laughs) (laughs) so Aaron I know you said Joey Styles let's elaborate on Joey and then I'll hit my last two and then we'll be done how good of ECW been anything without Joey Styles as the narrator? Yeah, the only like, man. Joey took this fucking show that was a fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> yep, and made it seems like made it made like made it make sense. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And he he is the only guy. Yep. And I'm 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 saying this. This is a huge compliment to Joey, because there to me there are only three wrestling announcers that could do a show alone. Alone. And it come off good, and that is Joey Styles. I know who they are. I know who they are. Okay. Can I say who it is? Yep, go ahead. 
Tony Schiavone. No. No, Tony Schiavone can fucking sell a show, man. Not by himself. I want to go after Oh, him. fuck you, Nate. Tony Schiavone is a fucking talent. Not by himself. Jo- yes, Tony Schiavone. Is. Tony yes, Schiavone. Is. Tony, Tony Schiavone. Schiavone. Tony Schiavone in 1989 is a fucking talent, man. By himself? Yes. For an hour? I want to go after yeah. him. Because I know he's no. on Nate's list. Tony no. Schiavone is fantastic. Not by himself. Tony, yes, he is. He, he he needs somebody to play off of. All right, Aaron, no, he doesn't. Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone is a talent. I didn't my say he wasn't a talent. My my favorite commentators are Tony Schiavone, Lance Russell, and Joey Styles. My point was by himself. Can I say who you who's on yeah, your list? Tony Schiavone is a talent by himself. Nate, can I hit it? Go ahead. Joey Styles. Yep. Gordon Soley. Yep. And Jim Ross. No. Okay, who's the third? Jim Ross also, also, I think, is better with someone to play he off is. of. He is. Mine were Joey Styles, Gordon Soley, and Vince McMahon. And Vince, Vince McMahon. Goodbye, Soley. Yes, he Vince, is. Vince McMahon Vince calling those McMahon. calling. Vince McMahon is actually the best thing about those late seventies WWF shows. Vince is fantastic, but he needs he needs Pat Patterson with him, right? Or Bobby, or Bobby Heenan, or Gorilla, or Jesse, or Jesse Ventura, right? Well, I guess you guys both disagree with me on that, but those are my three that can pull a show alone. Solely, but though, Tony Schiavone and, and great. And for the record, for the record. Um, I was not at all shitting on Tony. I was not no. all shitting on Ross. I was talking about in that where they're ju- right. they're calling the entire show all by themselves. To Here's, me, it's Styles solely. I didn't McMahon. say you shit on him. I'm just saying Tony Schiavone. Tony gets a lot of hate, man. I think Tony Schiavone is really good by himself. What I will say about Joey Styles is Joey Styles was a cooler and before version of Mike Tanay. And yeah, what I mean, well, and, you know, he knew the Joey, moves. He knew the moves. He knew how to call a match. And like Aaron said, he, he made a cluster fuck of a, of a show. He made it must watch. And Joey was you know, a fan. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Joey was especially like Gordon in never. Florida and such. Joey was an amazing narrator of right. this story. Yes. Joey Joey Styles was the and that was the longest night of Andy Dufresne. <laughs> right. Of right. pro wrestling. Like he was so good at that. Joey got to WWF and they, they did what they did with him and all the bullshit they did, you know. He mm-hmm. replaced JR, but they wanted him to be JR. And then he cut that pipe bomb promo, which apparently is eighty percent real. It was great. And when he said I called every ECW by myself, and I'm not allowed to call backlash. <laughs> and he made so much sense with that statement because he, I was like, "He's right." Mm-hmm. Uh, the the quintessential stud muffin guy, uh, uh, Joel Gertner, Joel Gertner, and and Cyrus didn't join him till like 2000 and 2001. So from '94 on, it was Joey Styles for six yeah. years. And going forward on this show, whenever we refer to Joel Gertner. 
We now have to call him <laughs> the quintessential Quint- stud muffin, muffin guy. guy. <laughs> well, that's how I, I love him. it, Archie. That's I love how it. I remembered him. <laughs> All right, so I have two left. Uh, My top three were New Jack, RVD, and Raven, which we already covered. I have to cover a guy that I have much love for. Aaron knows this. And uh, I was going to bring him up earlier when we talked about Jerry Lynn, but I wanted to save it. Okay. Because he has one of my favorite wrestling matches ever. Okay. Okay. And it's from when they did the Hardcore Heaven... DVDs back in the early 2000s. Okay. Are you going to talk about Kid Cash? No. Well, there, is a, there is a match, yes. There is a match between Kid Cash and Two Cold Scorpio that is one of my favorite matches ever. Two Cold Scorpio, amazing wrestler, amazing athlete, liked to smoke the pot. That's what hurt him in the big leagues. And he's, he, actually, he actually could cut a promo when he wanted Oh, to. God. His, when he wanted he to. Is, he is another guy that, you know, we talk about sometimes. We've had shows We've had shows in the past where our segment was, this guy was better in WCW than WWF or better in WWF than WCW mm-hmm. or what have you. Too cold. His, 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 um, what do I want to say? His best work, I guess. The, the, the promotion that used him best accentuated his positives was ECW. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Not a fantastic promo, but when he cuts a promo, it sounds real. But, see, my point is to when he wants to cut a promo, there there are three that stick out to me. He challenged Taz for the world television title when Taz was coming up mm-hmm. and was the champion. And he, he called Taz out on only throwing suplexes. You know, that, that's all he knows how to do is throw a suplex. Right, And he made it seem real, like he was actually knocking Taz. And then when they had the match, Taz actually did more than just suplex his ass, and it ended up making the match better. Mm-hmm. Then there was the promo when he was leaving to the WWF to become Flash Funk, and he beat, like, four wrestlers to keep them out of ECW. He beat Hack Myers, Chad Austin, J.T. Smith, and a couple, and somebody else. And it was, like, and he cut this promo saying... I'm moving on to bigger and better things because this shithole can't can't control me and Paul Heyman and this, and I'm like, wow, where has this guy been for the last three years? Why didn't he do this last month before he got right. signed? Mm-hmm. And then the last promo we mentioned, woman leaving to WCW, him and the Sandman calling her out on wanting to be with Hulk Hogan and Macho Man yeah, and that, Savage. That's what I made reference to earlier when gold. Aaron gave his first choice with woman. That was one of the greatest exits yeah. of, a, of an angle ever. You and know? he was part of it. And uh, as far as lighting it up in the ring, you know, I mean, there he has some promos where you watch him and you're like, Haha. he's just like, ha ha, ECW. Ha ha. Right, right. Like, there's a lot of ha ha. But he <laughs> he then went out and literally gave the best match on the show because yep. that guy is super fucking talented. And just I, I don't know, I like I said, he was he was number what is that, ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five on my list. And I just to me, another guy that although he was he was really good in WCW. And he was kind of relegated to kind of some bullshit in the WWF. Yep. 
I think of well. I think of his best work in ECW. Definitely. And yeah, Too Cold is on my list, baby. <laughs> All right, who's your last one? Last and certainly not, certainly not least, number four on my list. And I've said this on the show a million times. The best promos for me in the history of wrestling are Cactus Jack and ECW. Yeah. Um, Mick Foley in, e, in ECW is, to me, the stuff of legend. He rejuvenated his career. Yes. And and can anybody argue that those... I, I, I don't know. I, those anti-hardcore promos that he did in ECW. Before he left the WWF? Yes. Oh, my God. And, uh, the, you know, the Christmas promo. Uncle and the, Vince and... and uh, Uncle and Eric. Uncle Eric, yeah. When he was on the fucking... Nursery ride or whatever. Is like, <laughs> this is extreme. <laughs> you, it's funny we mentioned Funk earlier. We're mentioning Cactus Jack now. It's yesterday was the 20 year anniversary of their their death match final in Japan in WFM, mm-hmm. and those two guys for being the best of friends to kill each other the way that they did. Yeah, but <laughs> Foley. See, Funk knew how to tell a story in the ring and outside of the ring. The same with Mick Foley. But he also then told you a side story in his promo. You know, when he was, like you said, the anti-hardcore stories, Funk comes back with the flaming hot branding iron, burns him on the head. He's got a bandage wrapped around his head now. And he's yelling, he burned me, mommy. He burned mm-hmm. your little boy. And you're you're sitting there going, "What? wow, what a mind fuck. You know, it's I- like... Yeah, well, and 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 I'll say this is my last, uh, my last period on the exclamation point. All right, and 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 we go round and round. We talk about it. as wrestling fans, we reflect on past, we reflect on things we've watched. We we're immersed in it. We love it. Yep. And I, I I I sometimes banter back and forth. We've had a show. Uh, before about our best guys that cut pro I think we should have a best actual promos episode. We've we've talked about best guys that cut promos, but an actual that promo. I agree with that. To me, the two best promos in the history of professional wrestling are Dusty Rhodes Hard Times promo. Oh yeah. And Mick Foley's Kane Dewey promo. Those are the two but the, because Dusty Rhodes captured the American working man, yep. you know, gave me a watch, kicked me in the ass, told me to go home, baby. And and Mick Foley said, as a father, how would you feel if you saw some fuck out, out in the audience that had a sign about caning your son, yep. your baby boy, your son? Those are the two best promos in wrestling, and I, I, I banter about which two, which one's my favorite. But that is that's the Kane Dewey promo is definitely the best promo in ECW history. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Aaron, my favorite promo is would be um, 
Greg Flair and Bobby and Kurt being like, oh, we told you so, but we didn't tell you so. You know, Gene you know, Okerlund like, would about, you put that cigarette out? Yeah. <clears throat> That's my favorite promo. You mean the one with a tear in my eye? Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like oh when when Rick's like super sad. Yeah, but he knows he won the fucking belt. <laughs> and I love that fucking promo because he's just telling all those people he's better than them. Oh yeah, that's a, fan, that's a, fanta- that's a fantastic promo. Yeah, because I'm better than all these people. If, so if, if we do that episode, I got we I guess we got some spoilers for everybody on. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'd ha- I I want to. Part of me wants to say the CM Punk pipe bomb promo because I I know it was a hundred percent real. No matter what some people say, oh, it was a, it was at work because he he knew he was resigning. Well, but, no, I mean, and and that's the stupid thing about what people say. Oh, it was a work. Well, it's fucking wrestling. Everything's right. a work. I mean, he, he, but <laughs> you've never. I, I promise I just, you. I, 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 I promise just, every one of you listening to this show, you've never seen anything on wrestling TV. That was a hundred percent a shoot, right? Because wrestling's a work. But <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Sorry, I, I thought you were ass. asking me what my like two favorite promos were. No, that's all right. That's, no, I was another, just another one that I love, and I just recently watched it again because I I was in a hospital and had nothing else to do but watch mm-hmm. YouTube. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin's. Well, he was he was superstar Steve Austin in ECW. He cuts this promo and goes into a tirade. Oh man! I if, if, to, if I, I could I, tell somebody, you put a fucking ham sandwich in that goddamn you know, metal was, box. <laughs> I, I told him, "Let's do this thing with me and Savage." And when he does a dusty impression, no, baby, that isn't for you. And, <laughs> but then he says something that that rang through. And then I know he joined WWF like two months later, but he said. I get to be myself because in ECW, there are no Eric Bischoffs, there are no Hulk Hogan's, there are no Dusty Rhodes. So I get to be myself. Now, he was kind of downplaying Paul Heyman, but Paul Heyman really was an authority figure in ECW. Right. But the point is, hearing that promo, when I first heard it, and even till today, made me realize, wow, these guys really do get held back a lot. Mm-hmm. And aren't allowed to go to their full potential. That when you finally see them hit their full potential and become a breakout star, <laughs> like an Austin, like a Rock, like a Triple H, like a McFoley in ECW, it's you finally get a, a feeling of of it's over. Like you, the, the the combination of everything worked, and you're like, okay, I'm happy with this. And to me, Austin and Foley are the two big biggest examples of that in wrestling yep. history. Yep, definitely. But see, that's what I will go. I'll go back to the modern product right now. We don't have that anymore. I watched yeah. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose debut as the Shield, and a couple months later, they had the World Tag Team and the World Title, World uh, United States Title on them. And mm-hmm. then months later, one of them became the World Champion. Months later, after that, they the other one became a World Champion. That's not wrestling. That's you deciding this guy's good enough to be my champion. Great, wonderful. But where's the freaking story that tells me why I should care that Seth Rollins just won the world title? Right. Or that Seth Rollins, that Dean Ambrose cashed in on him. Or that Roman Reigns finally beat Brock Lesnar. Probably you know? probably the last great example of that 
was when they just had no other option than to let Daniel Bryan win that title right. at WrestleMania 30. Right, but see, even that wasn't organic because they say the fans forced their hand. And right. I, I, as much as I love Daniel and love his transgression, you know, his, his, his upward climb, you know, this is something I miss about wrestling. You look at a guy like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, started as a tag team. Marty Jannetty with Sean, Anvil with Brett. Mm-hmm. They both won tag team gold, although they took it away from the Rockers, but Sean won tag team gold after that. And then they feuded for those tag team titles, the Rockers and the Hart Foundation. Right. Great story. Then we moved on to the Intercontinental title. Brett won it first, but then Sean won it, and then they feuded mm-hmm. over the Intercontinental title. So we got to, to remember, hey, these guys have a storyline from back with the Rockers and the Hart Foundation. Right. And then the world title came up, and here's HBK Challenge and Brett at WrestleMania 12, and we got to go back and go, hey, they wrestled for the Intercontinental title. Oh, and they were in a tag team. I want a story that gets me glued from day one to the ending of it all. You know, that is almost, and, and to be honest, that is almost where, um, and I know we've gotten off topic here, but that is almost where at this point, I would be okay if they would do uh, okay, think about this Archie. Mm-hmm. And I'm uh, <laughs> devil's advocate. All right. No, of course. Of course. So Drew McIntyre, let's say Drew McIntyre beats Orton at at SummerSlam. Right. Orton, and this isn't going to happen because we know how they're going to tell the story. Oh, of course, but of course. Drew Drew beats beats Orton at SummerSlam, and then he uh, beats Orton to get it payback. Right. All right. Now Drew is the dominant world champion, and we want to get through to where we're going to work our way through to WrestleMania. Okay. So Drew comes out after he's vanquished Randy Orton, and he says, "Who's next?" Who's going to face me? I now advocate for the first time in my life for Jinder Mahal. I agree. Bring Jinder out and be like, they I was the WWE champion. And we were a part of three-man band. You and got exactly. And you, they, they let him fight Heath a couple months, last month on Raw. And Heath was crying, saying, you promised me I could have a shot. And you right. let him fire me. So now Jinder has that backstory. You let them shit on, on Heath. So what are you going to do? Let them fire me too, and mm-hmm. it, it makes for a good story. Yeah, and 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 especially because now, all right. So a couple of years ago, we had the failed Jinder Mahal experiment, right, where he was the champion, but now that gives his character a credence to say, right. "I was a champion too, Drew." Right. And whether you like Jinder or not, that's old school pro wrestling storytelling. Like you said, right. they were in a tag team, they feuded, they were, you know. I right. think that is that is the time where I'll say, go ahead and bring. Don't hinder the if, gender. <laughs> if they were if they were going to do it with anybody, it would it have to be Drew McIntyre because since his day they've been building him as well. Vince called him the chosen one, and he fell flat on his face, and now he's back for his retribution of sorts. You know, not to take a you know word from the name of the new group, but it makes sense. Right. Drew was on the upward climb to undo every bad thing that happened to him the last time he was here. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense. But, you know. <clears throat> well, that being said, 
Archie and I are, are going to close out this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Archie, anything you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? Great continue, episode, guys. Continue to uh, subscribe to the We Can't Wrestle podcast and our Facebook group. The more that we grow, the more we will be uh, doing things to get the fans and the members involved. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron does watch-alongs. Uh, uh, Nate may bring back the weekly show when there's more to talk about. You know, get involved with the We Can't Wrestle podcast any way you can, because if you're not in from the ground floor, you might just get left behind. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to I want to say this for right now. There are big things coming. Archie and I talked about it earlier yeah. off the air. There are big things coming. Um, and um, we're going to try to do some things to build the Facebook group. Definitely. Um, I, and, and I want to say to those of you that are, are listeners of the show. And uh, and and like the Facebook page, I see the numbers, guys, and we have a lot of listeners, and we have a lot yep. of people that like the page, the Facebook page. Right. But you guys aren't participating in the group, and right. there is a lot you're missing out on by being in the Facebook group. Uh, we give away free shit. Um, the more you guys add content to the group, the more we can decide what we want to give away because it's up to our members, listeners, fans, whatever you want to call it, our family, mm-hmm. to tell us which direction we're going and what a giveaway. Because if we do a giveaway and only five people get involved, well, that doesn't tell us anything. Right. If and we would give away and 50 get involved, well, now we know we're in the right direction. Exactly. And and, and Archie and I will attest to this more than and, – and no no disrespect to our other co-hosts. No. But more than anybody else, you know, with Archie being involved, Archie and I being involved in the asylum and the and the World Championship Customs, and here on the yeah. uh, the Facebook page for We Can't Wrestle. If guys and I have had actually got I've gotten messages Archie from people that say We Can't Shuffle. Why aren't you doing it as often as you used to? Right. Right. Well, to be honest, guys and gals, if the group itself isn't getting the participation that we need. Right. I'm just literally just spending my money. But and, also... And that is not to say that we don't appreciate no, the people that participate. Not, well, no, you know? of course. But here to Nate's point, when Nate does We Can't Shuffle, he gets 12 to 13 people in the live for it. And it's our friends from every other group. Yes. When, when Aaron does a watch-along... He gets 12, 13, 20 people. It's, again, our friends from the other groups. We want to see people who haven't been active in the group so that we can say, okay, uh, Tony joined and Frank joined and this guy joined. It's good. You know, what's the sense of giving away a free prize if you're giving away to your buddy? I can give Nate a present whenever I feel like it. Right. Yeah, I was going to say no no (laughs) disrespect. No disrespect to David Gold or no, Archie right. Mitchell or, or David right. or Jeremy Cotton. We don't want I, Nate's free shit. We want yeah. you guys to free shit. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? like, uh, Jeremy Cotton's like, what you got? I'm like, this has, bro. He's like, I've already got two of those. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, yes. More guys. We're not Definitely. begging for it, but what we want is just to see everybody active so that we can enjoy the page as much as it's meant to be. Yes, and we don't give free things away to, like Archie said, we don't give free things away to um, to stroke ourselves off. Or, no, or, nope. I want, I want new listeners to be able to enjoy, or new members. Yep. Again, we have, this, this podcast has amazing listenership 
for for a podcast that doesn't have any major name wrestlers on it or or Jim Cornette or you know what I mean or Bruce Prichard right. or anything we have really right. good listeners um so I want you guys to start participating and and yep. you can help shape the show I mean when we do a when we when we record a podcast I'll post in the group podcast participation yep what 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 do you guys think you know and so anyway that being said we are going to sign off. Archie, anything for our listeners before we go? Make sure you join the Asylum, the Nerd Closet, We Can't Wrestle Podcast, and WCC to take part in all of the virtual shows. Because even if you don't buy in to get something signed, you can still sit there and watch some of these legendary wrestlers tell stories mm-hmm. that you've never got a chance to hear. And it, it's, ba- it's basically like going to a meet and greet for free if you're not buying in because you could just sit there and listen and, and yes. you know take advantage of it. If you do buy in, there's always something great. Eight by tens, t-shirts, toys. You know, it depends on what you're looking to collect. We had one one road warrior animal did a turnbuckle, and apparently there's people who collect turnbuckles. So yeah, you know, yeah, I have right now in my collection at this very point at this very moment. I have a hat. I have a tugboat hat that uh, that Fred Ottman, who is God the nicest guy in wrestling. Oh my god. Oh my God. <laughs> Uncle Fred, man. Uncle Fred, yep. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, we may have him on this show at some point. And yep. Uh, but I have I have one of his ring worn hats when he was tugboat signed personally to me, and that's because of the asylum. So, guys, just get in this group. Get in this group of of, of groups. This group of groups. <laughs> this group of uh, people that are trying to do the best for you as wrestling fans as yes, we sir. can. We can't wrestle the Asylum, uh, World Championship Customs, and the Nerd Closet. Those are the four names you need to remember. And that being said, thank you for joining us on this edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast, and we will see you next time around. Thank you, Archie, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you, Nate. Always happy to be here. And we'll see you all next time around on the We Can't Wrestle podcast.